0: You understand the meaning of the word foreboding? As in badness is happening right now.
1: Thank you, thank you, thank you. you far too kind. Oh, you guys are a hell of a duet here. Why'd you start harmonizing? Can I get an encore?
0: Do you want more? Cook and roll with the Brooklyn boys. So for one last time, I need you
1: Because lobsters live for over 100 years. Now what the hell are you waiting for? After me, there should be no more. So for one last time, make some noise. That's for John Lennon, you Yankee fucking cunt. See, Teresa, please inspire me. Just let me meet one of those beautiful golden-haired girls and I'll write a love story, one of the greatest of all time.
0: Can I get you something?
1: Coffee with cream. They call this stuff coffee.
0: Maybe it's just water after they boiled your filthy shoes in.
1: I hope you die of heart failure. Are you all right? Oh, say something, please.
0: You can dish it out, but you can't take it, can you? Come here. I'm busy.
1: You're afraid. Of what? Of me.
0: You don't understand Mexican women. Oh, Mexican women are different. they like most women, except more so.
1: Come on. Why don't you teach me how to ride a wave? Bella What are you waiting for?
0: All right Connor are you ready for the cast of the 2015 motion picture burnt
1: wild guard there <laughs> uh can I make some guesses if I who I remember I mean sure hit me Cooper Cooper obviously Bradley Cooper as Adam yeah. Jones that the, the 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 not the Nazi guy from
0: Daniel Bruhl the yeah, Nazi yeah, guy that dude
1: yeah um, and Alicia Vikander. She, Alicia she Vikander. Up. She's only in it for like thirty seconds, though, right? Could if not tell
0: correctly. you. Alicia Vikander is Anne Marie.
1: That might be it. I don't know if I remember anybody else who's in that movie. I know he has a love interest that he's like really mean to, but That's I can't remember who it is. Sienna Miller. Sienna Miller. All right,
0: famous actress. Okay, besides those, you also got. I'm telling you this because I actually think
1: this is like a weirdly deep bench. Wait, 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 wait. Matthew Reese is in burnt. Matthew right? Reese. Yes, yes.
0: <laughs> Omar Sy from oh, The Untouchables. That that hit huge hit French movie. Lily James. <laughs> Lily James is in burnt? Lily James is in burnt. Jamie Dornan cut out of burnt. <laughs> <laughs> he got malaked. Uma thurman is in burnt. Also Emma cut out or
1: she's in No, Burnt. she's
0: in Burnt. She's fucking Burnt. I've seen this movie. I don't remember that at all. Emma Thompson is in Burnt. Oh my god. Burnt has a fucking stacked cast for a movie that only exists as a joke in my underground alma mater. Who directed Burnt? John Wells,
1: hmm. who
0: directed Augusta Sage County. Yeah.
1: Why did I think uh, and is, mostly is it a written by somebody?
0: It's written by Stephen Knight and it's a very Stephen Knight screenplay. True, true story. There is a poster of burnt in my undergrad in like the, the room where, where they keep all the like cameras, right. So that students can check out. There (laughs) is a a poster. There's a poster burnt because there was a brief window where burnt was going to be called Adam Jones which is the name of the protagonist, the Bradley Cooper character. Yeah, And they had like pressed posters that are like the burnt poster with Bradley Cooper standing in like chef pose, but it says Adam Jones instead of burnt. And Adam Jones is the name of the head of the cinematography department
1: <laughs> at, at Columbia College, Chicago. That's very funny. That's so an that, awful that, title for just a, terrible a movie about title. a chef.
0: <laughs> but I, I swear to God, that is the true legacy of that movie. I that mean, It's an inside joke in the biggest film school in the country.
1: Sure. I, all I remember about that movie is he like he literally screams in Sienna Miller's face and calls her like an idiot and a piece of shit while they're in the kitchen. And then like five minutes later, she's like, yeah, it just it happens. I'm still in love with him, though. All
0: I remember about that movie is that movie is mostly like entertaining junk food. And then there's an extremely upsetting like suicide attempt scene halfway through the movie <laughs> where Bradley Cooper attempts suicide in like incredibly graphic and unpleasant fashion. I do not remember that. Yeah. He does is like it... a fucking seals, a plastic bag over his face. It's what has to claw it off him. Oh shit. It's, it's like... not
1: like a, it's not like Royal Tannenbaum's style. No,
0: no, it's not like that. Cause yeah. that's, I mean, that's an incredible scene in a great movie. Uh, yeah. Burnt is not a great movie. <laughs> Burnt is a good with a question mark. Movie and you know what else is a good with a question mark movie.
1: Are you gonna say ask the dust? I think I'm ask, gonna say ask, ask the dust. The dust. Ask, ask the, dust. the dust. I want to say I want to say ask to dust.
0: For some That's reason. right, gang. <laughs> like... Welcome to Above the Title, a podcast about Colin Farrell and the state of the 21st century movie star. I'm Cole.
1: I'm Connor,
0: and this week we are asking the dust. It's a title that like has to be whispered, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> I think it's because um uh a uh, spoiler alert uh Salma Hayek is in this movie that my brain keeps wanting to say Ask to Dusk like Dust till Dawn. <laughs> yes. Like it keeps like it wants it to be Dust till Dawn. Like it wants it to be a play on Dust till Dawn, the the actual name of the title. Yeah. Which it's a
0: weird t- it's also a weird title because like I had never seen uh, this movie right i assume you had okay. it either no. uh, you, you came into this one blind um, this is
1: 2006 though we're getting right into like i think this is the first year where i actually start paying attention okay. to the major film releases but this um, is not a major awards film talk. release No, this was this time. was a movie this is a movie that i literally had never heard of before until i started listening to the this had oscar buzz podcast i think it's their fourth episode that this... they ever did it yeah. is not, not to like talk about podcast talk,
0: but like I, this had Oscar buzz uh, is like the only podcast that I've ever literally gotten in on the ground floor and never stopped listening to. Uh, oh, like
1: you, you got in like right at the beginning. Yeah. Cause
0: I've been, a, I've been a yeah. big fan of both the guys hosts. Well, one of the guys who was not particular. So I remember when he's like, Oh, I'm doing a podcast. And I'm like, was like, yes, you're a really good podcaster. So I've, I've been listening to that since day one. I distinctly always think of Ask the Dusk for two reasons. Dust for two reasons in the context of that show. The first, the, is
1: that, Hayek, the Hayek quote.
0: I think that's the first great <laughs> episode of that show.
1: Yeah. Um, I
0: remember <laughs> listening to that episode and really feeling like, oh, this is what this show is going to be. Point two is that's like an infamous episode in the lore of the show because yeah. of a Colin Farrell conversation they have that – still comes up to this day and that they explain what the Salma Hayek needle drop is in their intro. <laughs> um So that's, that's part of the relationship with this movie. I also am vaguely aware of the novel that this is based on because it is a,
1: a fairly, I, from what I understand, I've never read this novel, but from what I understand at the time of its release and for like a good 30 to 40 years afterwards, or even stretching into like the seventies, it had a reputation as one of like the major American works, like alongside like some works by like Hemingway and things of that nature. Is that how you also understand it?
0: I think people talk about it as like one of the great LA novels. I know, I believe Bukowski really loved John Fonte, which makes sense watching this movie. Um, and was was big into keeping him in print but my point is that I uh I I mostly know John Fonte just kind of in background radiation because he is from Colorado and he's one of the more notable people to come from Colorado and to have gone to the University of Colorado uh and when you're from a place where no one's from you kind of just have this like roster in your brain of the notable people who dropped out of cu boulder um but i know of him as a like a dust bowl you know depression era author so i definitely just assumed that this movie called ask the dust was like about was like a fucking like grapes of wrath thing right
1: like about like the midwest about not the midwest LA. or about, yeah, about yeah. the american southwest not like a hemingway but more like a william faulkner yeah type yeah
0: but this is not. This Brown is style. fucking an L.A. ass L.A. story.
1: This like, is like it, what I understand as the groundwork for noir, essentially. without so many without ways. a mystery. It's yeah.
0: it is interesting because again, I have not read the novel, but this movie was written and directed by Robert Towne. Um, it's the last movie he directed.
1: Robert essentially Town, the king of neo noir modern. Well, or, you know. <laughs>
0: Robert Town is New known. Hollywood for... Robert yeah. Town is known for two things. Robert Town is known for being the greatest tax screenwriter of all time. <laughs> and I mean that as a compliment.
1: Yeah, yeah. Right? I think you take it as a compliment, probably. Yeah. Or yeah.
0: Robert Town is best known for writing Chinatown, which was his bait.
1: I think I think for for like somewhat initiated, but still casual film cinephiles. He's known mostly as the writer of Chinatown, just because of how important. He won the Oscar. He did win the Oscar, right? Yeah, he had to. I think so. I'm. uh, I actually don't have the um, the dossier open right now. Um, But but watching this, he won. He won. uh, He won best original screenplay. He also uh, was nominated the year before for the Last Detail. um, That's a really good script. And then he's nominated. Yeah.
0: And then he's nominated. He's nominated for Sh- the year
1: after for, for shampoo. shampoo
0: yeah. uh, a movie we, <laughs> a movie that might come up if we're if if a conversation we had before this episode comes to fruition. Um,
1: Interesting. You know, what I'm,
0: yeah. I'll.
1: You know, I'm talking about. Interesting.
0: Okay. Uh, and then uh, he's nominated for a Tarzan movie in the '80s, but yeah. the thing. <laughs> about this Tarzan movie is the only thing I know about this Tarzan movie is that he's not actually he 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 like his he's credited under a pseudonym in the uh, the script because he didn't like how the movie turned out because apparently that was a complicated um post-production but I believe the pseudonym he chose was like the name of his dog. Yes, he is. The name of his dog is the name he used on that. So there is an argument to be made that Robert Towns dog is the only dog ever nominated for a screenplay. Oscar.
1: <laughs> That's very funny.
0: But yeah, I was watching this and I was like, Oh fuck. This is like so proto Chinatown in so many ways. Like, not in that sense yeah. of nihilism but in that sense of like daylight la pseudo noir you know
1: it's it's that it's it's that idea of like la as um la as as a, a city where fiction is produced that's yes. also in some way a fictional city because it shouldn't exist because there's no water it's like they literally have to pipe in water from elsewhere for the city to function it's like almost in a way it's a it's a materialized city that that shouldn't exist in the first place I and it's a, that idea i am Maybe in los good. angeles
0: right now and i just really have to say it is remarkable how bad the water is here. <laughs> like the drinking water is just ugh, does not taste good has never tasted good it's almost the best it's ever been now uh but
1: yeah yeah, but you know, you know that thing like uh, you, this comes up a lot when you're looking at the the history of Hollywood uh, for obvious reasons. But it just like the city of LA itself as like a place that should not exist, so it becomes like a refuge for hustlers and weirdos who who don't really belong elsewhere in the country um, yeah. and dreamers, but also just kind of like vagrants it's. who who end up there. And I think it's like this type of depression context of I think there's a lot of community stories that come out of, de- of the depression because it was very one very difficult for people to isolate themselves because of the lack of private vices and mm-hmm. two you had to re- rely like the community had to rely on itself to sustain itself to move forward in time just because there's so little capital flowing oh. um but LA really develops historically in our social context especially in our media and especially in our films that we'll get to see flourish throughout the 1940s as kind of like this surreal carnival landscape where just strange encounters happen and oddities take place and i like you can really obviously that's a huge part of the tone of chinatown um which is also harkening back to, you know, like the big sleep or yeah. uh, the Maltese Falcon. Um, but you can see it develop here, I guess, before. If I'm going to take the tone of this film as a marker of the tone of the book, which I have not read, you could kind of take it at face value as like a marker of where that tone is going to develop before the detective story gets, before it gets introduced yes. to the detective story.
0: I was also thinking of, like, J- James Elroy's novels, and not so much the, like, the ugliness or the crime nature of James Elroy's novels, but this sense of, of Los Angeles as a city that you get in, like, LA Confidential, and, and the Black tally I think, more so LA Confidential, um, yeah. where it's not even so much of, like, the city of dreams, but it is this, like, cardboard fake city uh, that that kind of is, like, an aberration, almost like a... a a, a strange ramshackle aberration that shouldn't exist and always feels like it's somewhat operating on like a twisted dream logic
1: yeah if there's a a part, if there's a part of babylon that i really 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 like it's that idea of hollywood before the film industry like the film industry at that point in time is like a pre-legitimate industrial force in america where it's bringing in huge volumes of capital but it's not taken seriously by other financial markets and institutions and that just kind of like just like you said like ramshackle quality of the city itself where like the distinction between set and reality there's there's a very fine line and it almost seems like the infrastructure of the city itself has the same fragile quality as the sets that the films are made on uh
0: if there's a part an aspect of babylon that uh, i like it is uh most of babylon Uh, (laughs) 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 it's about two and a half of the three hours of babylon um no but and i think
1: i really like about i think i think i would i feel comfortable saying i really like about 45 minutes I, re- hour, I
0: I I would roughly say I dislike about forty five minutes. I wonder if it's the same forty five minutes. No, there's just no way. <laughs> there's no, there's way. no way it's
1: the same forty five. things
0: <laughs> cannot be. Is it? Is it everything in the last hour before the epilogue that you like? Because that's everything I don't like.
1: No, no, no. It's okay. I love. I love. I love the actual like sequences where like the thing is getting like Spike Jones is the crazy German Insane. filmmaker. I love. The, when they first introduce sound and the guy's dying in the in the camera box Incredible. and they just cannot get the shot and um, it's it's those it's those aspects of it that really show off Chaz- Chazelle's like choreographical quality as a filmmaker yeah. like his his ability to manipulate space and to cut action in a very kinetic but understandable manner, which is something that a lot of directors struggle with and fail yeah. to do. Um, uh,
0: I really, I really love Babylon. I just think that like forty-five minutes at the end there—that's like the the boogie nights ending when when sound is firmly entrenched and their lives are just spiraling—I find it very disinteresting. Uh, yeah. and i think but boogie
1: nights does did it better but of
0: course well just sort of yeah. goodfellas um well goodfellas didn't I do it
1: goodfellas did it perfectly there's uh all these movies have been trying to do it like goodfellas ever since
0: there's a there's a montage in in babylon to like bridge the 1930 stuff and the the 1930s is It what 34 right is where the the end chunk of that movie is
1: um e, i can't remember it's it's i would say so because i think the the at very end of the movie takes place in 55 or 50 55 right well it's got to be 52 Cause...
0: or 53 because that's when singing in the rain comes out oh, okay um singing in the rain comes out in 52 um but yeah um but there's that montage to like bridge bridge the gap uh of, of like everyone's fame, like Diego Calva becoming a studio head, Joven Depo becoming a star, Margot Robbie and, and Brad Pitt's careers kind of spiraling down. And I remember yeah. being like, well, that's the interesting stuff, but that's yeah. kind of the hard stuff. And you're skipping that and you're just kind of luxuriating in the misery of it when they're already at rock bottom and I don't care. And then the ending comes and the ending is like the best thing I've ever seen in my life uh Babylon great movie uh, I'd love Babylon
1: I just imagine you when, when 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 you see Jake Sully on the back of the yeah I just oh, imagine oh, you in the oh. theater just screaming
0: it's the best it's so good it's so good it was the second best movie that Jake
1: Sully is in from
0: Christmas of 2022.
1: I mean you 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 know me though it's like I fundamentally don't agree with the stance that the movie takes about like stardom and I think the stance <laughs> like,
0: that it takes about stardom is interesting, though.
1: I don't know if it is. I, I don't like know that, I agree, that every movie but I th- about stardom takes.
0: I don't think this one takes that, though, because because it ends.
1: I think it's just a little meaner i don't think, I think it's a little it's, meaner i think it's but i think it fundamentally nicer. says the same thing that like all these other films but, but i
0: don't think it does because it ends with their faces right it goes through that like oh my god i can't believe we're spoiling the shit about that. it goes through that like history of cinema montage right but but the climax of the history of cinema montage is brad pitt kissing the woman as the sun sets and margot robbie's single tear running down her face right like and and gene smart's whole big thing where she's basically quoting laura mulvey uh late laura mulvey is is she kind of emphasizes the sense of like you're frozen in time as a ghost and that that's bad for you but it's also like but you're frozen in time as a ghost right like that's that is what i think that movie gets about stardom that a lot of other movies including boogie nights doesn't get is that like but you're frozen in time, and that matters because you're just going to echo. Like, you have the potential to echo. Or you have the potential
1: to not. Love Babylon. Babylon's a better movie than Ask the Dust. I'm sorry. That's not necessarily what I disagree with, but. Sure. What I'm do you disagree do with? Before. You I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I, I disagree mostly with the like. There's a magical quality to the way that these like on screen fascinations develop that I don't think is true. I think it's much more. Ooh cultivated than the movie portrays it as being.
0: Uh I'm of reality. I'm of too much. But isn't that kind of what this yeah.
1: podcast is about? No, that's why I said we've talked the, about it before. I we know. We talked that, about that, it on I'm episode.
0: I'm more of yeah. the like it's the magic of the movies guy. And you're, you're more like more...
1: you're you're more like you got the juice so you don't have the juice. Mm. And I'm more like the juice has to get squeezed. Yeah, Someone makes the juice. Yeah. Yes,
0: if that's on that grounds, then yes, obviously I'm much more in the Babylon. Me and Chazelle yeah. are like buddy-buddy there to a degree. I also just think
1: like aesthetically, the film like really backs that. So since I don't necessarily agree with that, but have you I kind of butt heads
0: aesthetically with the rest of the film. Can I can I make my, my last case for, for Babylon yeah, then yeah. we can talk about us. Uh, have you considered that unlike other damien chazelle movies it's not a big old plate of dog shit (laughs) like it does have that going for it
1: (laughs) but there's a lot of elephant shit in it there is there is i actually i actually think i think i like it the least of his that's insane i think i like whiplash the most and then first man and then la la land and then babylon
0: first man is not a real movie (laughs) first man is a fake movie first man is a money laundering screen and no one can tell me otherwise because no one's seen that movie
1: sure (laughs) but i really i i there's a lot of things that i don't like about la la land but i think (laughs) i generally connect with the film a lot more than babylon
0: uh there is also a lot of things i don't like about la la land and there's no but at the end of that
1: sentence (laughs) a lot um, of things are you just don't like la la land <laughs> you could say what there's there's no there's no risk of offending damien chazelle right now no like, i'm just like i'm just saying yeah. but there's no like
0: there's no and but also like there's good things no, i get it. it's yeah. just that nope that movie uh is terrible um back to ask the dust though
1: Also, happy birthday, Colin Farrell. Happy Happy birthday, Colin
0: Farrell. I totally
1: forgot to mention that. Happy birthday, Colin Farrell. Uh, Colin
0: Farrell's 47. It's insane that he's only 47, right? I
1: know. He's been famous for so long. so long.
0: He's been famous for almost 25 years, and he's only 47. That's crazy. Uh, Yeah, but that just means we get so much more. Uh, I know. He's going to win his Oscar in 15 years. He's
1: going to play like a lovable grandpa and win Best Sporting Actor. Wait, can we... Can we make pitches for what we what type of role we want him to win for? Because I have so, one in, I have one in mind. You give me yours. Give me yours. I want him to have an opportunity, like you say, like 15 years from now to do what Paul Newman did in the verdict in like a verdict style film. Well, and that's is, what I want him to win. This, this is for. roughly Just my Oscar pitch for. because
0: yeah. I think and he might not want to do this for whatever but i think if you want colin farrell to win the oscar you kind of have to give colin farrell the jackson Maine, like mm. aging rock star struggling with addiction which is also kind of the paul newman in
1: the. i don't know if he wouldn't want to do it Maybe because i went. feel like a lot i feel like he he's he's made sure i don't necessarily know i mean we'll figure it out more as we're watching his films because nothing is coming to mind, but I do feel like he has taken roles that he, he understands like the self-awareness of of himself in the role. Yeah. Yes.
0: I'm just saying, and I don't even know that I like necessarily need that from him, but I'm just saying like, if Colin Farrell wants to win an Oscar, that's right there on a platter for him to win an Oscar for, right? It's the obvious one and it's, it is the Paul Newman in the uh in the verdict thing though, like because that's such a movie about addiction, too.
1: I know, I just think, I think if you have like a 62 year old Colin Farrell in that style of movie, yeah. unbelievable. unbelievable, just unbelievable. I <laughs> yeah.
0: like a week or two ago, I rewatched, I never rewatched, I watched for the first time on The Color of Money. Which oh, have you seen? Have Scorsese. you seen The Color of Money? Yeah yeah have you seen it yeah no disrespect to the color of money A, a, a good movie with a very good paul newman performance and like quietly like one of tom cruise's best performances he's ever given is in that movie um but i watched that movie and i was like wow it's real bullshit that Paul Newman won his Oscar for this and not The Verdict five years earlier.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I mean,
0: he's like having a good time in The Color of Money and The Verdict, he is like walking through every station of The Passion
1: of the Christ, right? He's like, throwing heaters. He's uh, throwing heaters. Yeah.
0: You know who's fucking great in The Verdict? Doesn't get enough attention.
1: Um, What's her name? No, I yes, yeah. But name. no,
0: I was going to say, yeah. that's also like James Mason's best performance oh is the other uh, thing
1: best performance is, is just a hard one to discern right love, now But like he is love, he is amazing he is he's amazing so fucking, i fucking yeah. love is and that- he also understands the thing oh my god so like just the thing about old movie stars is just like they get the assignment yeah. they show up for work and they understand the assignment it's like can't ask for anything better that than what those two guys are doing fucking
0: yeah. devastating i love i mean i know he's talked about it but like lumet's like understanding of like.
1: Charlotte Rampling, sorry. Yes, Rampling. Um, oh fuck. Yeah. She's Lumet... also maybe maybe her best performance. Uh It's possible. I don't know about that. But <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I'm She's... sorry. You're you just love her in Dune so much.
0: <laughs> She's real good in 45 years. Um
1: But that that movie's kind of bullshit, though. No, it's that movie's great. Movie. It's kind of a bullshit movie.
0: What? What is your take movie? on on Charlotte Rampling.
1: Okay. I don't like I don't like movies about elderly people who just like the the movie's take is essentially like they've forgotten how to act like human beings. <laughs> that's not like what that. That's one of those about. movies. That's one of those no, movies. That is one of those a, movies. Yeah. That's the way, a, it's not her. It's not her. It's the way the husband acts mm. is so strange. Everything he does is so weird. <laughs> And it's like this this real take that we have on films about elderly people where it's like they they're just okay. not actual human beings. Yeah, That's they funny. they don't understand like they don't understand the emotions of the loved ones in their lives. And it's like nobody would act that way to people that okay. they are in relationship. That's with and, you know what? That's that fair. Nature. That's fair. Yeah.
0: Um, Andrew, Hay, a director we're going to talk about in this podcast. Um, have you seen Swimming Pool? because i know you like francois
1: ozone oh yeah she's she's yeah. real fucking good at I, swimming i i take pool, back dude. what i said i yeah. think that's her be- i think that's her best performance
0: swimming pool
1: yeah. is like uh
0: we 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 have so fully come around to basic instinct being a masterpiece that now i'm like when are the catherine Tremel girlies going to figure <laughs> out that the 2004 Francois all film swimming pool is sitting there for them to like lose their minds over because that's like yeah. a weirdly forgotten to
1: history movie. For What's something like the one that, like the one that she made Con. with him right before Under the Sand. Have you seen Under the Sand? I have not
0: seen it. You're more of an Ozan guy than yeah. I
1: am. Under the Sand is is like quietly my favorite Ozon film. And it's like the least surreal of his films, which I don't know what that says about me. Because I do like his I do like the surrealness of his other films, but I think it's just it's about it's it's uh, a charlotte rampling and her husband are on holiday and her husband goes swimming and like she falls asleep on the beach and she wakes up hours later and he's just not there anymore and no like the police can't find out what happened and yeah. it's just about her trying to like that that's that's the first five minutes of the movie i'm not spoiling anything yeah. the movie is about her trying to figure out what she believes like did her husband drown in the ocean or did he just like leave (laughs) like wander somewhere else and leave her behind. Um, It's pretty incredible film. Highly recommend. And Ozan in general, a lot of people don't actually know who he is or have any knowledge of his films.
0: Not a great filmmaker for the moment. And also is like too experimental for his own good. We just like, don't talk about the fact that he did a fucking gender flipped remake of The Bitter Tears of Petra von Kant
1: that just like <laughs> came and went. Yeah, for real.
0: Yeah, I was talking to you about this, but I think the last Ozone film I saw was Double Lover. uh, Which isn't Good, but the opening credits do like play out over a real time, like close up shot of a Volva, which is like so. I was, I remember watching it just being like, <laughs> you're, you're, I, I actually knew when that happened that that movie wasn't going to be good because it's such like a Probably, how would yeah. you make fun of like art film French erotic thrillers? You're <laughs> like, oh, the opening, <laughs> the opening credits are a beaver shot, right?
1: Um, I think that's probably why I like under the sand a lot because it's it's, it. it's actually it's it's like one of his only films that's actually sincere in yeah. its yeah. surrealness, which like sincerity and sur- that's what the best Boonwell films are also very sincere yeah, Boonwell is almost
0: too yeah. sincere in a way like the some some of his movies like kind of yeah. fall in their face because they're so I love I love I love Boonwell. but like when the Boonwell movies are bad, like it's often because. They're like, oh, you you almost needed to be in like a smoosh more of a remove here, Louie. But yeah. then a less sincere filmmaker doesn't give us the ending of Simon of the Desert, which is like maybe or like Bell a Dejore. top 10. Yeah. 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 Have you seen Simon of the Desert, though?
1: I don't. I haven't.
0: The, okay. the ending of Simon of the Desert is like maybe a top 10 scene in a movie ever. I find it like... Right. Uh, watch Simon of the Desert is 45 minutes long. You can find it. Luckily luckily cole
1: i don't yeah. have to do any research for Miami vice
0: so i can watch whatever i want this i'm going in empty-headed <laughs> no thoughts just vibes for that sucker
1: i have i have seen every pre-white prerequisite for that yeah. movie i don't have to do any research
0: i'm so what if we just didn't do it what if we just skipped yeah. it that'd be so funny what if we were just like you I know i think we we you deserve know. jail time. Like if people you were like, know. "You have
1: to go to jail now," I'd be like, "I understand." The what cuffs are we, are we gonna copper. say?
0: What are we gonna say about Miami Vice? Is the thing
1: that is also the thing.
0: Yeah. Well. Anyway, we'll get to it. <laughs> we we'll get to, to go back to like 20 minutes ago.
1: Um, to burnt said, or ask the dust. Ask <laughs> it was burnt dust. like 40 minutes ago.
0: <laughs> you would you had said something about. Los Angeles almost, like, feeling like a city of sets, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that there is something about this movie. Uh, Because this movie was, I believe, shot in South Africa. And just in, 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 a, in a recreation of 1930s LA in South Africa. Uh, oh, yeah, the, I see that here. There's something about the way that, like, this is a constructed LA that I think for budgetary reasons never feels it never feels like location shooting right like you're almost aware of this false nature of la too and i was thinking about yeah. did you see the philip jordan uh philip Mar- neil jordan philip Marlowe movie that liam neeson was in a few months ago
1: no the one that just came out yeah. recently that, no but i will be watching it before yeah. we we do our neil jordan episode
0: oh yeah Undine. um yeah. Uh, make sure you watch uh, Christian Petzold's Undine. By the way, I've seen. Uh, I've seen that. Right? Okay, Petzold
1: is. Um, I don't know. We've we talked about. I, it, I know he's I'm, a
0: guy. Yeah, I, yeah. 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 We've yeah. Ta- I think we've talked about Clearly. transit because I'm. I'm not huge on transit. Um, uh, just every Petzold film. I love I've the rest. I love the rest though. I love Undine. Yeah. Um, but there's something about that. I was thinking about that movie Marlo, when I was watching this because that's another movie that is set in. I think that one's more set in like 40s or maybe even 50s LA because it to be an older Philip Marlowe but mm. this past LA but shot in Europe I think they shot that in Spain on sets for not very much money right where you you kind of get this uncanny sense of the the LA streets they're walking in or these like fake constructions that I think amplifies this weird mysticism of Los Angeles as a city, but also this idea of that era of Los Angeles as a city where th- the point I'm building to is I-, I am more interested in watching Ask the Dust because of that than I am in Chinatown's depictions of LA in a way because of the cheapness of it, I think heightens the dream, you know?
1: Yeah. I That makes sense. I think a part of the issue with this movie I don't. Well, well, I'll I'll start with just saying one thing. I'm not necessarily sure where I fall on this movie in general. I don't think it's terrible, which its reputation. It, it's not that it has a reputation has a- for being a bad film. It just has no reputation. Yes. And I think films with no reputation, you tend to uh, assume that it's an awful movie. And that's why yes. nobody talks about it. I I don't think this this film is terrible. I was reading the synopsis that Wikipedia has of the novel, and it makes some pretty extreme changes from the sequence of events that happens in the novel, from what I can understand. Those leave me with some question marks. I don't necessarily understand why Robert Towne didn't do a more direct adaptation of what was already there on paper, especially considering how the film ends and how the story ends, I think in general, but I, th- I think there's, there's a lot here of major interest to me. Yeah. Um, And w- one of the things about this depiction of Los Angeles is that the film, I think the best depictions of Los, a- Los Angeles, like I said, or like I alluded to kind of embrace the carnivalesque in that nature. Like, you know, this this city as what what Paul Schrader wrote about noir doing so well, which is showing like traditional American values as just a facade of these uh, subterranean cultures that exist underneath, which, again, is is something that like Babylon's descent through hell at near the end of the film is is quite is is literalizing in in a way that most films don't, but I We're think like the best. seen in Babylon,
0: by the way. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I think like, the undeniable. best. the best L A. stories do have a more dreamlike, surreal quality that I think this film has in Caleb Deschanel's shooting of the sets. Yes, but it doesn't necessarily have in like the construction of its story or like no the perspective of how the story is being told.
0: This. This movie's strengths are, I think, in like these sort of experiential, sensual strengths, and in the performances. They are not necessarily in the narrative or the direction, if that makes sense. Yeah. But in the in the pools of light, I mean, if, if, if we're gonna if we're just gonna heat check on it, uh, if you think if it sounds like you're very like mixed on this movie. Uh, I'm just going to come through and say that I think this is the best movie Collins made uh, since his mega 2003. Sorry.
1: I don't want to talk about the new world again. <laughs> Sorry, I do. And I
0: like the new world, but I like this fucker more. Um, um, I think I do. I think wait, I do. Wait, so
1: it's just this, the new world, and Alexander? And like... Home at the End of the World. Oh, Home at the End of the World. Yeah. Uh yeah i would say for me it's the new world than this then home at the end of the world and then alexander probably. yeah i would flip you just flip form. the yeah
0: yeah i don't know home home at the end of the world man sticks to my shoe like gum right like it's, I, it's like it's
1: that thing that you're talking about it's like when you're actually thinking of the consequences yeah. of the story that's being told yeah. it's like man this uh, is devastating but when you're watching the film episode? itself you're should like we this do, is should so we go, stupid. should we
0: dip back in
1: you want to do a dallas roberts uh miniseries <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, uh sissy space, sissy space. Sissy
1: SpaceX. Okay. Sissy SpaceX. A sissy space series would actually be incredible. Yeah. Only the, the, the list only of the list century. of amazing films would be Yeah
0: incredible. In the bedroom, baby. The help. Home to the end of the world. Um, you want to tell the fine listeners what this movie is about and what this movie is? Yeah. Before so we hit the hour mark. This,
1: well, this is gonna lead us into a probably an interesting discussion about Aesthetics, but Colin Farrell plays Arturo Bandini, uh up-and-coming or aspiring writer, not necessarily a novelist. I think he wants to write short stories and essays mainly to be published in magazines. Um, from Colorado, he moves to Los Angeles to try to make it big. And while there, he laments about not having enough experiences with women to write anything real because he doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, that leads him to develop a s- strange, oddly hostile relationship with a cafe waitress named Camilla, who's played by Salma Hayek. Um, Camilla is in a abusive relationship with the bartender at her cafe named Sammy. Um, and, she, but she and Arturo kind of fall in love regardless, despite constantly, Trading verbal blows with each other, mostly derogatory remarks about Camilla being Mexican, and Arturo being Italian. Um, Arturo also has a strange encounter with a woman with burns all over (laughs) her legs that we'll try to make (laughs) make sense of later. But uh, finding Camilla beaten, he takes her uh, on, I don't know, what would you call what they do? they like they, go, they like
0: run they they go on a the retreat beach. kind
1: of yeah they like, like they like go find like, a house in the beach he he arturo arturo gets given a 250 dollars advance on a novel and he wants to retreat to the beach away from los angeles he takes camilla with him they uh truly fall in love there they adopt a puppy together um but for whatever reason they seem to not be able to to come to terms with the interracial aspect of their relationship while in public um although i think there's other reasons why their relationship kind of falls apart and then camilla gets tuberculosis and dies out in the desert at sammy's shack
0: but they reunite before she dies and all is forgiven uh you know who's definitely Arturo read the-
1: writes a novel. He dedicates it to Camilla, and then he uh, throws it into the sand where she's buried.
0: Oh, that's what the title means. I just tracked that.
1: that oh fuck!
0: I just got what the title means. Because he, yeah, she kind of confronts him and says, "Marry me," and he won't do it, and that's what leads to the dissolution of the relationship. No, but he when- says he.
1: Oh no 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 no! Yeah, no. Yeah. He says he but went. when yeah, he yeah, finds out yeah, yeah. she's
0: dying, he tracks yeah, her right. down and he says, "I'll marry you." But then she's too sick and she dies anyway, and he buries her. And then the epilogue of the movie is that he comes back and it's clearly sometime later, and he's clearly becomes because successful because he
1: has a mustache.
0: He has a mustache. He's better dressed. He's also much better. Fancy dressed.
1: Fancy white suit or fancy yeah. cream suit.
0: Um, but he's he's trying to find the the like the cheap grave he personally buried her in, mm. and he can't really find it. And that's what he's doing. He's asking the dust. He's throwing that. I just, I just figured out what the title meant.
1: It's an oddly similar ending to home at the end of the world or like a, I, yes, sister I was thinking sister-ish of Home in the world,
0: but yeah. really the movie I was thinking of watching this, you know, who absolutely has read this novel and loves this novel. Who? It's one, Mr. Baslerman. Oh, because yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. much of this fucking thing is in Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Holy she, does she? Shit. She also has
1: tuberculosis. Right? also has tuberculosis.
0: Yeah kind of sheltered awkward kid moves to the big city because he wants to be like <laughs> a cool hedonist so he can be a writer check falls in love with a more worldly woman check she's got like an abusive boyfriend he needs to like wrest her away from because he represents true love but the abusive boyfriend represents security check dies of tuberculosis Check whole thing ends up being a novel written by the protagonist having learned the worldly ways of the world from his dead <laughs> girlfriend. <laughs> Fucking t- we are going to talk about it in a couple of weeks, but I've always thought there's like a weird energy with Colin and Ewan, uh, where they're like almost uh, like each other's a, they're like each other's kind of like in yeah, a way, yeah, like they're, they're there's yeah. almost like these mirrors to their career, so much of a way. Uh, but this is the like downbeat minimalist to Ewan's Mulan Rouge, right? Uh, this yeah. is not as good as Mulan Rouge. It's,
1: they've, they've had, uh, we, uh, someone brought, one of our guests brought Ewan McGregor up. Yes. Before as a, as a, a figure to kind of like compare and contrast yes. with Colin. And, you know, there's Colin's Irish and Ewan's Scottish. Um, but it is, it is odd. Like, I think, I think in some ways Ewan has had more of the what you would think of as a movie star career. Yes, than well I what Colin has had.
0: I um, have thrown out before that like Ewan's work in his like late 30s and 40s feels like the the natural extension of the path that Colin Farrell is on before he reinvents himself as a weirdo character actor in yeah. a way. That like yeah. You could see and no disrespect to Ewan McGregor, who I think is a wonderful actor and is wonderful in some of these things I'm going to list, but like mid level Stephen King movie and like weirdly good Winnie the Pooh movie feel like the sort of things that the guy who did SWAT make. They don't feel like the sort of things <laughs> that the guy who made train spotting made, right? Like Yeah, yeah um they're also interesting as like mirrors and we'll talk into this but because
1: well it's strange colin... that it's strange that train spotting thrust you in into yeah. the world in more of this like avant-garde art uh think... aesthetic to his career but then star wars like immediately mainstreams him yes. in a way that colin never did because colin's colin's big jumps are failures but he like the most interesting part of a failure, like Daredevil, or it's like Miami Vice, which is like only film heads like Miami Vice. There are no like regular people out there just we're gonna talking get about we're gonna get a yeah. one of these
0: days. We're working on it. We're working on
1: it. No, but you get I what think, I mean. Where yeah. but I think you also
0: look if if we're we're talking about so many of these early Colin movies, right? Like the yeah. past like months of early Colin stuff because we're we're still waiting for it to all click with Bruges. But if if the arc of Colin's career is to some degree that, like, he's thrust onto the scene, he's insanely next level famous, and it just takes him so long to figure out the the mold he can work in that he's going to, like, grow into it, Ewan's almost the opposite, where Ewan is, like, thrust onto the scene as, like, the next great actor and can never really live up to that like th- th- train spotting and star wars become this like fucking specter that hangs over his career and kind of dooms him in a weird way
1: i think i also think there's a strange thing with uh with train spotting where they are so difficult to understand <laughs> sure. because of their scottish accents that i think for a long time that bars american producers from wanting to cast him Oh well, no, he gets
0: projects. a lot of work. He gets a lot of work. It's just that nothing but Star Wars sticks is the problem. Like
1: yeah, it's the Star Wars. Curse. I think even the work he gets is like, it's
0: the Star Wars curse. Star Wars is bad for people's careers.
1: I love Ewan McGregor, but because of American Pastoral, he might have to be banned from the state of New Jersey <laughs> instead of ending up on the
0: wall thing. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll get back to Ewan in in a few weeks when we talk about a normal movie that we're going to have a normal conversation
1: about, (laughs) um we want to just get into the the casting question with this film because i think it there there is a question here um because colin farrell who is obviously famous at this point in time for being irish is cast as as a italian that's that's what you're thinking of yeah
0: yeah i think it's i I think the only
1: reason it poses itself as a question is because the uh, either he himself or another character is referencing his status as italian like literally at five minute intervals throughout the film it gets brought up are
0: are there italian actors in 2005 who are still gonna scan as ethnic in the way that, like Colin Farrell in two thousand five, yeah, like I'm not saying people aren't reading him as white, but his ethnicity is so part of it, and those eyebrows, right, are so part mm-hmm. of the look that I wonder. I, this is what I was thinking: is like, are there Italian actors who are going to scan because the Italianness of this character is so like actually structurally important to the plot because people don't scan him as not white until like until they hear they his clock last name. that yeah. his name is Bandini and then they start treating him like an Italian, right? Because he doesn't doesn't speak with an accent. Um yeah. and there's so much of a contrast he's, with that. That he's like, Italian American passing for wasp Exactly. But yeah. that Deschanel also like plays with the lighting to make him look like a little darker uh, when characters cl- have clocked him versus when they haven't. And there's so much of a tension of the contrast between his relationship to, to Waspiness and to, to his race and Hayek's like being visibly Mexican right having darker skin that like she can never pass that's so much of the tension of the two in this movie that I was like I think they know what they're doing by casting Colin Farrell who is someone who is the most like ethnic white movie star of the era right I do too
1: yeah I think so so obviously there's 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 a part of this story which is um how to classify it he he has he exhibits uh, bigoted opinions towards um camilla salma hayek's character but i i think the story makes it pretty clear that it's rooted in his in his own insecurity yes of not being a wasp um, yes of being bullied when when he was growing up uh by kids named johnson or, or williams i think uh is what's put out there in the voiceover um and, yeah, like we said, it's 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 his ability to pass as just a regular white man like gives him some aspect of power over Camilla when oppositionally shown with random encounters with other pretty women um all of whom are pale and tend to have blonde hair or at least at least lighter hair in Los Angeles um they seem to i'm thinking of the one with the clerk at the library um specifically where she makes notice of the attractive attractiveness of his hands and mm-hmm. then she sees bandini on his library card and then mm-hmm. acts very coldly to him yeah in a, it's over in a split second yeah the i can only think of one actor and they're not a movie star and that's um Alast- alessandro alessandro nivola
0: yeah Yes, yeah. but not in 2004 Look, if you told me today He's the only one that I can We're remaking of. this movie with yeah. Alessandro Nivola
1: Well, he's too old now
0: Yeah, yeah. I know But he would have been around that age at the time In, in, in my mind, the like great Alessandro Nivola performance is, is as a Jew Because um, I don't know <laughs> Have you know... seen Junebug?
1: Have you ever seen Yeah, Junebug? he's so fucking Yeah.
0: Fucking yeah. love Junebug, he's great in Junebug But have you seen him? Um, have you seen Disobedience? I have, yeah yeah, he's fucking next level in disobedience. Uh, I love Alessandro Nivola. I've told you that I think he should have won the Oscar for Art of Self-Defense, right?
1: No. Because I do. I, I truly that <laughs> think
0: that's a that's an incredibly funny performance. Um, what was he doing? So in 2004... Well, this is just,
1: 2006. This film this comes in So
0: he's just made Junebug.
1: Yeah. Right?
0: He's in Goal.
1: That's why he's the only one I can think of. Yeah. Because Junebug was like a certifiable uh critic's darling. Yeah, I mean it's him or DiCaprio. DiCaprio's doing Blood Diamond and the Ugh. Department, so he's not gonna
0: be in this uh, movie. DiCaprio's not <laughs> no, but see DiCaprio's not Italian American. That's not part of the DiCaprio he's, I think idea.
1: He's, I think he's a quarter Italian-American, right? But he's but he's not yeah. in the way that
0: Pacino was, right? He's never in the way played.
1: That was, in the way he's that, never played. Uh, I don't think he's. Has he ever played an Italian? Oh, uh, catch me if you can. He's Italian. Sure. But it, but it doesn't yeah. matter.
0: That's not part of the DiCaprio idea in a way that yeah. Irishness is part of the Colin Farrell idea. Well, I think
1: part of it with DiCaprio is he's not a New Yorker. That's a very like new like New York Italian American actor s- stereotype. Yes. I think it's kind of all wrapped up in the, the same thing there. Um and he's not a New uh. Yorker. So I think that's that's it's not an issue. That's just part of the deal with his identity. He's also only named Leonardo because of like the painting. His mother was pregnant with him. And they were looking that's at uh That's cute. Yeah. Or are they looking at Mona Lisa? You've heard that story. Right? I've never heard that story. Oh, I guess when his mother was pregnant with him, they were looking at Mona Lisa and he kicked for the first time. So they named him Leonardo after Leonardo da Vinci.
0: Oh, that's really cute. Yeah, I like that. Uh, they were not looking at Leo Depp for this movie, though.
1: No, no, he wasn't going to be. In
0: this uh, movie. <laughs> nor are they looking at Alessandra Nivola. Uh, they, in fact, were still shooting a little too high for this movie. Yeah, because uh, I believe they wanted Johnny Depp. Right?
1: Yeah, well, that's what it says on some unconfirmed uh sources is okay. that okay. They try Dante tried to get the film up and running in the nineties. Um, it went to Johnny Depp and then it went to Von oh, Kilmer. They wanted uh, Depp
0: in the 90s.
1: Yeah, like Donnie oh, that, Brasco era Depp. that
0: makes a lot more sense vis-a-vis yeah. could you get uh could you get Johnny Depp? Um yeah, yeah that's actually very obvious and good casting here's the thing about johnny depp this mission statement of this podcast is to try to like crack and this is where
1: we're going you know what i'm saying though right yeah yeah
0: yeah if if the mission statement of this podcast is to try to crack an understanding of what it means to be a movie star in the modern era like we kind of really should be talking about johnny depp but at the same time, I literally, there's no one I want to talk about less on this podcast in any context yeah.
1: whatsoever. But, but we get to talk about him one, twice, twice in the Yes, we do. Oh, yeah, yeah, we can
0: table just the the arc of his career though that he spends the 90s being this like weird also ran where nothing sticks and then like stumbles bass backwards into like a lister dumb in what was supposed to be a supporting role and notches up three Oscar nominations in five years only to like burn out as hard as he did but now he's got the lingering celebrity like yeah. stink stink to him so he's never gonna fully go away and now he's in this like weird fourth act where he's becoming like someone you cast for anti-cancel culture bona fides
1: in that's a way weird that's the weirdest part that I don't I don't want this to be coming to a turn into a podcast where we hate on people just because it's in vogue to hate on them but when it's somebody like Johnny Depp whose reputation is so complicated that it that it becomes problematic just because of the subject matter of the discussions that you are forced to have when you're talking about him regardless of how you feel actually feel about Johnny Depp the person yeah I just don't want to embark on that quest and talk about like 30 films that he's been in
0: I will say, I will understand. I understand the whole, like, I don't want to dunk on someone just because they're unpopular. I've been thinking about that a lot because Succession just ended. And I've been seeing a lot of, like, oh, fuck you, Nicholas Braun. You know, Greg ended up, like, sucking. And, like, I've seen people saying, like, Nicholas Braun, doesn't it suck to think that you've peaked in your career? Uh, And I'm like, you're only – the day before people found out that Nicholas Braun was a creep, y'all were like panties on the floor for Nicholas Braun, right? Don't that was a month ago. Don't fucking try to like come at me and pretend that you didn't love Nicholas Braun. Um, the thing about that with Depp though is it cannot be a, a thing that I think is central to the arc of Johnny Depp's career is that. It's not just that he fell out of public favor because he's such a, like, a repellent personality. It's that he fell out of favor because there's, like, almost 10 straight years there where he's just giving dog shit performance after dog shit performance. And people get sick of him. Everyone wants to say that the Amber Heard stuff, like, killed his career. But did it? Or is it Mordecai that killed his career,
1: right? Yeah, and also from what I understand, directors don't really like working with him notoriously
0: difficult to work with. But on the other hand, he's
1: he's turned into he's turned into the Brando horror stories where he gets yes. his lines through an earpiece and yes, yeah.
0: But now he can get cast in things for like to signal that you're like anti woke. So he he's going to be fine. You know that's why he's in The Maiwan movie, right? Yeah. <laughs> like 100%. Yeah. Cuz she's such a like wokisme, c'est en terre. Uh, she also said she
1: spit on a journalist? I think originally. she hit a journalist. She hit a journalist.
0: <laughs> but she she hit a journalist who's been like writing exposés about Luc Besson um like being a creep.
1: Man. Uh, and my one is, like, is, like, is
0: still ride or die for Luc Besson, the man who impregnated her when she was a teenager.
1: France! That's I'm looking at his filmography it. right now. Like every year, every single year, up until... Every single year, up until 2019, he's in multiple films. I just do not want to be talking about Depp, you this mean? over... depth. I mean. I don't want to be talking about this stuff week after week after week after week after oh after yeah week no i like don't an either. entire year of my life yeah i i don't
0: i don't either
1: but it's like like what's the last
0: good performance that he gave is it 21 jump street
1: is that a good performance or is it just you know, i think it's funny? You, know
0: you know what you yeah. know what you know what i actually quite like him in murder on the orient express I
1: haven't seen it uh
0: because um, he's got to show up and be the most repellent person of all time in five minutes so everyone cheers when he dies
1: I haven't seen I haven't seen a lot of these movies a lot of these recent yeah. movies that he's been in I don't know public enemies I guess maybe <laughs> like the last no I think he's
0: like, really bad ones. in public enemies <laughs> you want to do the Johnny Depp <laughs> <Rushmore>? No, no. <laughs> we'll save know. that for a later episode I
1: don't um, even know if I want to do it when we get to it
0: but if I'm De- being honest Depp and his like sunken eyes and like strange face makes a lot of sense vis a vis what we're talking about, like the visible ethnicity, even though I don't know what ethnicity Depp is. Uh, he just doesn't read Wasp, right? If, if we're talking like Donnie Brasco era Depp, like that, that does make sense, casting yeah. wise.
1: Well, I guess, I guess what I was gonna say was what makes it a lot easier for somebody like Depp is that uh, he is American, and so like really? part of the problem is that Colin is Irish it's naturally speaks you're you're making
0: noise like you don't think colin's good in this movie that's the no no no, no, no.
1: i don't think he's bad i think i do think i think there are moments where the casting really works and i think there are moments where the casting choice it has nothing to do with him it's like the actual choice of casting somebody his type doesn't make any sense to me because when i hear this character's voiceover i want it to be more like the main character from sophie's choice who's like an aspiring writer but kind of like mousy oh so like so sophie's choice is narrated by an aspiring writer who's who's very mousy and is almost on the same path of like i want to experience women i want to experience more of life so that i can write about it um but colin farrell just like exudes this confidence of a man who has experienced life and and is not
0: Oh, I I so don't agree. Experience. I I so I I completely disagree.
1: Um, I think it's just like his natural charisma.
0: No, because I yeah. no because I think he's tamping down on his natural charisma so much. Because I watched Yellowstone, it it's like, oh right, this is what he's going to end up being so good at. He's so good at playing low status. Um,
1: yeah, he's so I good at turning it off. I don't know if the, I don't know if that comes through in
0: this. Oh, I. Yeah. If if we if we cut it off. Today, and we were like, we got to do the Rushmore for what he's done up to this point. I th- I think this makes the cut, mm. and I don't think it's a question. No, I think it's this. And I think it's Home at the End of the World. Like honestly, and maybe no. fucking Interruption. I think I he's could, incredible in this.
1: I could tell you. I think right off the top of my head, I think it's it's. I you think fucking love it the New World. You love Tiger your land. And the new oh, world. Whoa, whoa, and... whoa! He
0: is monumentally better in this than he is in Tigerland. I am
1: sorry. I don't know if that's true. I do think there's, like I said in the Alexander episode, I think that was it. Like something clicked, and he like understood his stat stature on screen. Because I, when you look at the gulf between the new world and just uh, maybe like overlook a home at the end of the world, but when you're looking at the gulf between the new world and Like phone booth, it's like two completely different actors almost in the way that he like possesses the screen. Yeah, he he really holds the screen in phone booth, but like he does, but he it's even crazier in the new world, which is what makes it extraordinary. But he so doesn't
0: hold the screen in this, and that's what I find so enchanting about it because he's playing a loser,
1: right? He's so, yeah, but it's like I'm saying, like, he has. I think part of it is because he's he's. I think part of it is because of his youth. um, And I, as he's starting to lose that throughout his 30s, it's easier for him to push it aside. Hit What I'm saying, his charisma. Maybe. And I think there's something about his charisma in this film that that makes it. I don't I don't know. I feel like it's a direction issue because I, I it's it's a difficult thing because I feel like Towns' direction to him was like he's not getting laid because of his last name. So play angry at times like that kind of frustrate frustration. And I just don't know if that works. I
0: don't but I don't I don't see that. I think it's that he's not getting laid because he's a loser.
1: Yeah, but he thinks it's because of his last name. Like he doesn't think it's because he's a loser. Sure, Shut- oh no, he doesn't think he's a
0: loser, he thinks he's a friend to friend to man and beast alike, which is hilarious every time. He, friend says, of man-
1: it. he says it three three times, <laughs> three I think? times and it's always so funny. He says twice I'm Arturo Band- Wait, I, I want to know if I can do the voice. He goes, I'm Arturo Bandini, friend of man and beast alike. He says it twice
0: in the voiceover, and then he says it
1: once uh just randomly to Samahayek. He so says, I'm a friend it, of man and beast alike, it so
0: doesn't land. Uh, you know what the big difference between this and the Tigerland performance is? That his, the voice is good? That he can hold the accent.
1: Yeah. He holds the accent real that's fucking well. Other, that's, <laughs> that's the other thing that like, this is the one where it becomes clear. Where I was taught, I said this in the very beginning, I wanted to like watch. And I think in Home at the End of the World, he's still kind of struggling a little bit. Yes. And this is the one, like this is the film right here where he he doesn't struggle at all
0: you forget it's not this one it's it's scrubs it's weirdly it's scrubs oh
1: (laughs) (laughs) for i don't see i don't know like the the (laughs) we're not dealing with enough we're not dealing with enough to make a judgment there you know we don't Uh, have enough it's really
0: good in that it sounds so like it's not that he's doing a mid-atlantic accent right
1: I would Which say is,
0: decidedly not. No. Yeah. Which is for listeners, the mid-Atlantic accent is like the fake accent that people speak in in old Hollywood movies.
1: Cary Grant, Catherine the, Hepburn. The, the
0: Hepburn is the big yeah. one. But if that that, that strange like half-American, half-British. I think that's the thing. Speak.
1: It's like old-American people kind of sounding British because they have but money. It's yeah. not a real accent. It's, no, just, no, no. A screen, just, it's just a films. screen. No, no, no. It's just a stage of screen yeah. accent. Um. Yeah. The only person who like kind of and we'll we'll get into it later. We haven't talked about him much, even though we've had the opportunity to. Is for whatever reason, Christopher Plummer, like yes, kind of retains but, the transatlantic accent late into his career. This is my point: is that
0: Colin Farrell is not doing a mid-Atlantic accent. Colin Farrell no. is doing a, a native-born American kind of like winging a mid-atlantic accent poorly because he's trying to sound more waspy and that's his understanding of waspy right that like he's doing someone who is kind of putting on an affected accent and maybe that's why the accent works more is because i'm like i don't think this guy actually necessarily 100 percent talks this way
1: I think part of the reason is I don't I think he's not trying to sound like I don't think I don't think Arturo Bandini is trying to sound like a rich person from Connecticut as much as he's he's trying to sound like Clark Gable in a role where he plays a journalist. Yes,
0: exactly. Uh, Which I think adds to the whole like, oh, this is obviously fake energy that this movie has that I find kind of affecting. They're like, LA is a yeah. place where you're going to reinvent yourself. That's like a literal idea in the text, right? Is that like he and everyone has come to LA because it's going to, inherently, they're going to cross the city borders. and are going to get a fresh start. And that's not how it actually works.
1: The film begins with him saying that his goal was to write the, the, the uh, great American novel about the passage to LA like yes the Midwestern's passage to LA and yes. what it means to to live in LA and to yes. emigrate there yeah
0: you don't think Colin understands how funny this character is
1: no I do I just I it's i i honestly honest to god i think it's just an issue of casting like i think colin's just too cool <laughs> he's too cool i i think he's, he's i too think confident he's... and i don't think i think he's too young to and it's not it's not young in a in a way that like he's immature he hasn't learned it yet it's like no he's literally too young to like tone down the charisma that he has to make this I think guy seem think like it's, the it's, loser that he actually is. I think
0: it's exactly right because again, it's like the it's like the Italian thing. No one necessarily clocks him as a loser when they see him. It's when they start talking to him that he realizes that he's like kind of a weird nerd, right? Yeah, and I think the fact that Colin's so handsome helps track that. That like everyone's willing to give him a chance. It's just that he's so kind of hostile and unpleasant. That he's pushing people away and he doesn't get that it's just that he's like his his attempts at affecting coolness, right, are are what's kind of keeping people away from him. He doesn't get that until he finds like the one person more pathetic than he is. And then you kind of like he grows up. And I think Colin sells the fact that this guy kind of grows up via this insane relationship he has with a stalker. Uh, The most insane plot of the movie that I don't think works at all
1: yeah I, get, I like it's just it's uh, i guess what i don't necessarily like about it and like i'm saying like i would like like a mousier actor to play this part sure is because i kind of well who ah, do you but want? then but then you run then you run to issues where it's like if it's a mousier actor then you need someone not as hot as someone but who do you want like tell me who you want i don't know i don't know it's a, it's a, it's like, But who's going like, to nail this? Because death isn't right. Know. Death's just going to fucking smolder. I think, like, I think like 1995 yeah, probably could. like No, because he's just going to be like – he's
0: either going to play it too kind of gross or he's going to be too like sexy, right? He's not going to figure out the happy medium, but Colin can so. because you – this is what I'm saying. You ask Colin Farrell to play a loser and he's like, yes, where do I sign up? You ask him to play like a square and he's like, yes, where do I sign up? he He's uncomfortable being hot, but Man. like – and he he can, be, he can be hot, but like it's the fucking Minority Report thing all over again, where he's like, "I'm gonna make this guy so buttoned up, right?" And such an annoying prick.
1: <laughs> From what I understand, there's like multiple Arturo Bandini books that there's Joe Pante four, wrote. there's four, yes. yeah. It just sucks that Pacino, like they didn't make these with Pacino when Pacino. Was sure,
0: gone. you just always want Pacino to be in every movie.
1: That's not true. That's not true. I yes, heard, I, yes, I heard someone the other day say that. Pacino could have like been like De Niro's role in Goodfellas Pacino could have been this Pacino could have been that it's like no there are things that Pacino are like fundamentally wrong for just could not do Uh,
0: I did I did tweet the other day uh Al Pacino can do whatever your favorite De Niro is so maybe I'm the
1: villain there you think Al Pacino could play Irish Jimmy Conway in Goodfellas he's a good actor I just don't know if that works. But
0: the the I was actually talking about attractiveness levels. I think, but and the punchline was that Robert De Niro can't do the gay little run up the stairs and cruising.
1: I uh, mean, that's definitely not true. Yeah. No, no, De Niro could not do cruising.
0: Robert De Niro, whose dad was gay, who can't do cruising. I'm just... sorry, he wouldn't get it. He wouldn't get it. He wouldn't get it. Yeah, we're gonna do a cruising episode of this podcast one of these days. <laughs> You're gonna be so unhappy with
1: me. Really? No, I. It's a good movie. I just haven't seen it in a, in a very long it's time. It's a great movie. Yeah. Is what it is. Who directed Cruising? Friedkin. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Where are we? Where do we move on to from here? I don't know. Uh,
0: I think this movie is like interesting and kind of a good time. I certainly don't love it. I think it looks really good, right? Like I love. I love.
1: I think looking it at looks. It. I think it looks fittingly. I don't think it looks really good.
0: Oh, I think it looks really
1: good. I think is the most difference? Caleb Deschanel movies look fittingly and not really good.
0: Oh, see, I think most yeah. Caleb Deschanel movies look really good because they look fittingly.
1: Well, he had he it's not that he hasn't made really good looking movies. I mean, the shot of the scoreboard exploding in the natural is like never seen it. One of the never seen it. Most exhilarating images ever, ever put on the screen you know what else... you know what the natural is about
0: yeah redford has a magic bat or something i don't know
1: yeah he's a baseball player but at the end of the movie he hits a home run and it's like i think it takes place in the 1930s so the scoreboard is literally like big yeah um like big camera flash light bulbs and the, like he smashes the light bulbs with the ball and like like there's sparks coming out yeah of the, yeah, yeah. The I, I know what an explosion
0: yeah, looks like um, no, but know, it does.
1: It's like it's raining. It's raining sparks as he's running around the diamond. Yeah,
0: of course. I, yeah. I, it's in my brain. I love Caleb Deschanel. He's the best. Uh, insane that he doesn't have an Oscar. Uh, a great cinematographer. Uh, you know what the actual best shot in a Caleb Deschanel movie is? Oh, we're gonna talk about him again.
1: Uh, yeah, I know. What? What's the best shot? It, the the twenty twelve 2012... Jesus getting whipped. No. Uh,
0: the twenty twelve motion picture. <laughs> Jack Reacher. <laughs>
1: You've seen it? Is it when Tom Cruise grabs the um the stick shift?
0: No, that's so good. Um,
1: isn't that no, isn't um, that like isn't that like a heart pumping shot though dude, of him grabbing the stick shift? Oh, you
0: have no well. Oh, I love Jack Reacher so much. So much. Um no, it's that uh Jack Reacher starts with a completely silent Uh, like two minute, I think, shot through a sniper scope. Uh, that's just like a series of lateral pans. You
1: know what I'm talking about? I I saw the movie. I can't remember. Because so so specific shot. Yeah. Jack Reacher, the the inciting incident of Jack
0: Reacher is that a sniper opens fire on a plaza and kills a bunch of people, right? Like that's Mm. the inciting
1: thing, but.
0: Jack Reacher. Herzog
1: is the bad guy, right? Werner yeah.
0: Herzog is the bad guy, yes. Yeah. Jack Reacher starts with like the sniper looking through his scope, and it's just the scope as he charts over the entire plaza. But the thing about that shot that is so good is that it basically gives you all the information you need to solve the mystery. Oh. Yeah, the, the, the rhythms of how the camera is moving in that shot basically tell you everything you need to know to solve the mystery. Uh it's so good. That movie rules uh it's better than the novel, which is a good one. It's one of the better Jack Reacher novels. Uh I
1: haven't read it. I haven't read it. It's good.
0: One. Oh you should read the you should read like the first half of the Jack Reacher books because they're really That's a Macquarie movie, right? That Jack is Reacher. a Macquarie movie. Yeah.
1: Is the Uh, sequel also McQuarrie? No, the sequel is Ed's Wick. really? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I didn't. I didn't expect to hear that name. (laughs) The
0: sequel is okay.
1: Uh, I guess it's fitting for the like other films Ed's Wick has made. Regardless, yeah, (laughs) it's
0: insane that Tom Cruise made a Jack Reacher too. They should make a third Jack Reacher movie, man.
1: Well, now they have that show on Well, Amazon fuck that show. I the don't give from a Blue shit State.
0: about that show. Uh, casting Tom Cruise's Jack Reacher was a feat of casting and makes that character so much more interesting. Because the least interesting part about that character is that he's fucking built like a tank. <laughs> like, truly. I've read every Jack Reacher novel. The, You've the... read
1: every novel?
0: I have read every fucking Jack Reacher novel. I've been in the trenches. Damn uh the least interesting part of that character is that he's built like a tank and if you like mentally just pretend that he's like four foot nine tom cruise uh he's a much more interesting character uh i'm gonna keep saying tom cruise's height on this show i'm just gonna keep getting shorter and shorter well
1: you yeah. know uh tom cruise produced ask the tom Best. cruise did produce ask the Dust." yeah
0: do we think that's a fucking give for how good of a relationship he and Wagner have of with course. Bob Town on the mission movies.
1: On the um the this had Oscar Buzz movie, they say that Cruz was at one point attached to play Bandini.
0: Terrible. Um, oh my god. I can't god. find
1: I can't find that anywhere. It would be horrible. Although there it there is an aspect of Cruz that's like he seems to be passing in every aspect of his personal well, yes life. this yeah. is true. Also um,
0: to be clear Tom Cruise has given like one kind of bad performance in his life, so it probably would have been good because it's Tom. I, I, I
1: think there's probably more than one. We talked about it though. Can, um, can you
0: name two?
1: Well, I haven't thought about his I haven't seen the bad movies. That's the that's yeah. The thing. I haven't seen all yeah. of them because it's like I heard. You know, you hear this movie's not good, and then I'm like, I'm not watching it. But Tom Cruise is in it. So you kinda want to watch it because Tom's in it. I'm I'm just not I, I'm not as enthralled by the the Tom. And again, my mom hates him, so oh. that's probably part of the reason why. Uh I think the only
0: bad Tom Cruise movie, performance, not movie, performance, let me be clear. Uh I think is probably he's not very good in the mummy. And oh. I hate I hate <laughs> I to say that. it.
1: Um but he's kind well, of okay so here's Asima. the thing like I think he gives a bad performance in the firm I don't I cannot Insane. imagine I cannot imagine the firm working with any actor I am Earth, ending though. this call so... and I'm calling the police <laughs> on you. No I just it's <laughs> that movie's so strange. Movie's I, I don't know if you could strange. call that. Yeah. Um but no it's like I'm saying like I don't think it would work with anybody with anybody so how could I put the, the blame on him for that? Um, far and away, not not great. Never seen it. Not a great accent. Um, he's just... He's going to be... Do you know
0: when they were looking at Tom for this?
1: No, no, no. They say it on the podcast. I couldn't find any um, contributing sources. I guess...
0: If my if my take on this guy, Bandini as a character, is that he's this low status loser trying to like act like he's hot shit, right? And that's yeah. why I think Colin is good, because I think Colin plays low status. You ask Colin to play low status and he, he kind of like he wants to prove himself, I think, as an actor. And so that energy I think translates better well, I than playing. I guess I
1: what I'm saying is I guess what I'm saying is Bandini ever... Bandini is a surrogate is a fictional surrogate for, for Fante from what I understand. Um, yes. yes. And a, a lot of this is, you know, pulled from the author's own experiences in life. A lot of what happens to Mindini in the novels and a lot of the narration from what I understand is, is autobiographical narration. So yeah. but here's, I, my, my I guess of... what I'm saying is like, I, The idea of Bandini being this kind of a loser is just so, like, unappealing to me that I just don't really want to engage with it.
0: Oh, it's the most interesting thing about this movie, though.
1: I I just don't think so. I don't think it's really that interesting.
0: And I think that the back half
1: where he kind of grows up
0: is just less engaging than him doing like schoolyard, like flirting with a girl by pulling her pigtail shit to Salma Hayek in the first half and then walking out of it and being like, I'm so fucking cool. I'm hot shit. I'm Arturo Bandini. I'm the greatest writer alive. And I'm like, no, you're not. You're like a little kid.
1: No, what? Yeah. But, but at no point does Colin seem like, he doesn't have that juvenile aspect, oh which is what I'm saying is like, I want somebody who is, not necessarily a loser, but at the bottom of the totem pole because of their juvenileness, but that's... because of their like true immaturity and then they grow into adulthood, like based I... on these experiences that they're having throughout the film, but I Which get is not what happens right? here. But yeah. I think that is what happens here. No, 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 I think, yeah, I don't think he's juvenile. I think he's, I don't know. He's, he's just kind of despicable at the beginning. <laughs>
0: Oh, I see this very juvenile. He's literally introduced stealing milk, right? Like he's a kid. That's not an accident.
1: But it's more like it's less it's less that he's it's less that he's young and inexper- inexperienced and hasn't figured it out, despite him saying it over and over again to hit in his letters sure. to this uh this uh publisher named Mencken, um, which is very jarring after watching uh Succession and um what's his face being also being in this movie uh justin kirk um but despite despite him saying that like he's inexperienced and young and immature i guess it's more like his immaturity seems more an immaturity of of emotional intelligence um which just makes him like I said, like to me, it's it's just not very interesting to to interact with this character on screen. That's a personal judgment. Sure, I mean, I, it has that... nothing to do with like the quality of the film. Um, it's just, just a different. F- I would have yeah. preferred if like it went in a different direction. Sure, I I yeah. just have so much fun
0: watching him on screen. Like truly, like I, I I find this performance so funny in so many ways. I was thinking, I. A, he's having you,
1: fun I don't know if Robert having, Towns having fun
0: I don't care if Robert Towns having fun though is the but thing but there
1: needs to be some kind of symbiosis for it to work you know I uh,
0: are you a Calvin and Hobbes person
1: uh, I'm familiar um, have I Have you
0: ever say. read any of the, the, the film noir parody stuff no. in Calvin and Hobbes where <laughs> no. it'll be these like You'll get like three panels of this like super layered like Art Decoy like German expressionistic artwork of like Calvin as a PI like narrating this super dense like Marlowe knockoff uh like like PI dialogue, and then the punchline being like the hard cut to reality, which is that like he knocked over a vase and he's in trouble. Like he's he's narrating it like goons are about to like corner him in alley and kill him, but he's just like a kid there's something about the contrast between how bratty colin is in his interactions with people and this like so high-minded like way he's describing himself in the narration
1: a lover of man and beast a
0: lover of man and beast i just i find it very funny and i think he's having fun with it and i think you're making a good point that the movie maybe doesn't seem cognizant of that but if it ended up on screen, it ended up on screen, you know? and I mean, hi- you're
1: right. Like he's playing it like he is in, I don't want to say a parody because it, because it's, it's, it's not necessarily a a parody, but he's, no. he's self-conscious of, of the noir protagonist tropes. Like Colin is. Yes. I think you could, that's very easily yes. identifiable while watching the film.
0: But, and, and, well, I think there's interesting stuff in the second half that, that you lose that kind of acerbic nature in the second half kind of makes not so much the performance because he's still locked in, but the movie, you know, Ebert Ebert said something in this movie and his review of this movie about how, like, he didn't think Colin and Salma had chemistry, um, but he thought that the way they interacted together on screen sans chemistry was almost more interesting than having chemistry and i think that's an interesting idea but then you pulled up a like an epk interview with sama hayek uh where she said like yes i think we have really good chemistry when we're fighting uh and i'm like but that's what it is right like there's such a spark between these two when they're butting heads in an almost like fucking nora efron sense to it right that's so yeah. much fun to watch and you you can't you can say maybe town doesn't get it but but hayek gets what colin's doing right because
1: yeah, but she's I think right that's there why, with that's him. why that's why it doesn't work because town seems to not but if it ends up on screen happening. then
0: it ends up on screen
1: it ends up on screen but then it it turns from from their kind of like playful bickering which is is quite hostile like a lot of it's, times. Exactly. it's not really that playful um, what, what does
0: she say like about the the second or third thing she says to him is i hope you die of heart failure
1: yeah, yeah just, i love it i love the way salma hayek is like you son of a bitch <laughs> like she just you also, it rolls out of her you, mouth
0: you can't tell me the town doesn't like to some degree understand what's going on here because I think one of the strengths of the movie in these, like, flirting by being mean to each other scenes that happen in the first half is that the movie is so uniquely aware of how uncomfortable it would be to be another person in that room, right?
1: Yeah, but I think think that's part of the, like, I, I understand exactly what you're saying, but I think that's part of the problem because it doesn't really seem like flirting. It just seems like fighting. Which is fun to watch. It's like entertaining yes. to watch as the viewer of it. But it doesn't really progress to the point when they're supposed to be falling in love. And it's like, how is this happening? Because <laughs> you guys are actively mean to each other. It's not like it's coming across in a in a playful, flirty kind of way. It's like you're actually being like fairly cruel to each other.
0: Yeah, they're being so
1: cruel to each other. But that's because and the attraction, doesn't doesn't make sense.
0: Yeah. I, I will I will I will concede to you that the attraction doesn't make sense, but I kind of think again, going to Ebert's thing about that, but like are they ever really attracted to each other besides the fact that they are both registered that the other person is attractive and kind of fall into it, right? Because I think it's more that yeah. they fall into it and that's why it doesn't work. And you know, when she's well, dying this,
1: it's, it's, There's a dynamic it... where part of part of the reason why I read why he shows interest is because she is a viable non bigoted option, non bigoted yes. toward or seemingly because, you know, she does at some point seem actually pretty bigoted <laughs> towards Italians, but probably only. In response to him being bigoted towards her being mexican but um i guess i guess that's the biggest hinge pin on why i would have rather had like a less assertive actor play this part is because that's the dynamic that i'm most interested in where (laughs) he wants to sleep with camilla because camilla is like a viable option to somebody who's passing Yet also Camilla is out of his league and like how to juggle that, Yeah, which isn't the dynamic that's at play. It's not the dynamic that's in play in this film. He
0: also wants to sleep with her because she looks like that. Right.
1: Yeah. And to some degree, like he's genuinely attracted to her, but she is a viable option. and He also thinks he can do better, just not at this moment in time. I don't know if he thinks he can do better per se. This this really feels like a movie to
0: some degree about mutual settling. And that's that's what I think is that's interesting. What I mean.
1: it's like yeah. I think he can I think he thinks he can do better. Maybe. Like he can be with the actual Amer- blonde American girl that seems to May- I think he says yeah. like grow in Los Angeles like the oranges do on the trees, but he but just I, cannot land one.
0: I think it's I think it's what's interesting about this movie is this sense that like you know it's it's easy for these two people to make these like bold declarations of love when like they're in danger and they need someone or like she's dying and like the consequences almost don't matter but they just like they, they're kind of in in kind of boring pedestrian ways they kind of just can't make it work beyond these like grand romantic gestures you know like yeah. the second they they stumble into mundanity like they kind of can't make it work cuz they're not actually interested in each other they just represent for both sides. They kind of represent uh, a, an escape from the drudgery of their actual life. And I think well, that's what attracts them to her because like he is the only customer she has, who's going to stick in her brain, you know, cause he's such an thing. asshole to her.
1: And that's kind of the dynamic with her as well, where she's yeah. with this Sammy guy who's the bartender that she works with. And he's, actively cruel to her but she's with him because he he truly is a a white american whose last name is his name is sammy white and she represents like you know opportunity to to move ahead to him the same way that uh bandini probably thinks that he could do better than her as like he could he could use a relationship with a traditionally white woman and and a and um as a means to legitimize himself as a true american and yeah. not as an italian american
0: um isn't this movie interesting connor i'm like
1: saying, no, no no i think i I'm didn't like, say i didn't say it wasn't interesting i'm just saying i think there are moments where the casting kind of makes it less interesting than it could be sure. ultimately for that reason but like you said like who at this point in time like who was available with the same mm-hmm. Yeah, kind of social backing that Colin had. Yeah, there's not a lot. I don't know. I I I'm still really you know who else is really good not in this Matt movie? Damon. It's not that's not gonna Yeah, happen. Christ.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I don't know if we're gonna come to head of this. Can we agree that Salma is really good in this movie?
1: Yeah, it's kind yeah. of a,
0: a bad role, right? It's it's such like a, yeah. a like a like I said that underwritten like sex pot dies for the career. But I think she she
1: adds it's the underwritten female character that kind of it's like the kelly mcdonald character in intermission yes shares aspects of it where it's like the men can truly be as awful to you as long as they have a good as long as there's some good aspect to their like underneath in their heart that guides what they're doing
0: and and ultimately like i said her point is to die right to die to teach him a lesson i think she adds like way more shading to this character. and like Can I tell you what happens this character?
1: Can I tell you what happens in the novel based on the sure. Wikipedia plot synopsis? Sure. Because I, I think this is... The way it's described here sounds a lot uh, more affecting to me. Is that early on, Bandini falls in love with her, um, but she's actually in love with Sammy.
0: Um, yeah, I would want... So
1: there's a struggle there where part of his part of part of his, his uh, outward aggressiveness towards Camilla is the fact that she's not interested in him. Um, She gets hospitalized. She gets institutionalized twice for mental instability. Um, The second time she escapes the hospital and that's when they go on the retreat to the beach.
0: Oh, well that makes so much more
1: sense. That's it. It, uh, it, it colors the her characterization in the film a lot more, I think it's clear that like, it's the same character who's mentally unstable, but town just hasn't made that explicit in the film where it is in the book. Yeah. Um, When they're at the beach, they don't get into an argument or anything. He leaves, he returns to Los Angeles to, to retrieve his belongings. Mm -hmm. And when he gets back to the beach, she's missing. And then, I don't know, Some time goes by months, a year maybe, he gets a telegram from Sammy who asks him to go and retrieve Camilla from the desert shack he's living in and by the time he gets there, Sammy says that he's already thrown her out and she wandered into the desert and then Bandini doesn't know like, it's implied that she just wandered off and died of dehydration or something out in the middle of the desert and then it ends the same way where he takes a copy of his first novel and just throws it into the dust. Out there, but it, the tuberculosis ending is not in the book, from what I can tell.
0: I mean, that is more interesting, and that's like that is one of those things where you like you kind of have to to trim stuff off yeah. a novel. But it's also like, well, why do do we need all the Donald Sutherland stuff in this movie? Then, <laughs> do we need to keep the Adina Menzel subplot if you're gonna end up giving. Uh, short shrift to, to the Sama character. And now now I'm liking this movie a little less knowing that that's that's what they didn't go for. You know? I think
1: if you I think if you had you said you haven't seen Sophie's Choice, right? No, I think if you have seen Sophie's Choice, you would like it even less because of Sophie's Choice takes place in Brooklyn. But because of the similarities of the aspiring writer, and obviously there's there's like an entire Holocaust segment to Sophie's Choice, but the core aspect of the film, like the driving narrative um, aspect of the film is this outsider who comes to Brooklyn to try to to make it as a, a great American writer. Um, and I just think that depiction, that the depiction of aspiration and its intersection with, an experience but like the need to experience things to become a better artist is just done better in that film and i think like the misguidedness of it all is done better in that film i think pacula had clearly read this book at some point and used it as an isn't, influence isn't sophie's it. choice also based on a novel though it is um but i just think i think because of because that film, again, it takes place in New York, but I think it also yeah. kind of shares in this Noir it pre Noirish pre-noir-ish tone, like aesthetically, and there's like a voiceover narration and everything like that. I just cannot stop thinking about that film hey, while fair. thinking about the actual yeah. reality of, of this one.
0: I mean that um, movie won Oscars. This movie did not.
1: Yeah. This movie. <laughs> that is uh, true. But also when you look open at Open to um, Nothing. Peter McNichol is the, the the lead actor yes in Sophie's Choice just very very different stature than Colin Farrell
0: sure yeah, yeah he's Peter McNichol you know he was in stuff
1: was in, well what, I just mean we, like yeah what do we his best stature, stature on screen oh yeah I don't know is probably it, for me it's, it's I was gonna Choice. say is it not yeah.
0: Ghostbusters 2 like I feel like that's as big
1: I think that would that would be the, yeah. the other one yeah
0: Sorry, I'm just trying to find how much, how many theaters this movie opened in. Give me one second here. Yeah.
1: Okay. I have a couple questions for you. If you could just answer. Yeah. We got
0: to talk about Adina Menzel in this Is movie. Is Donald
1: Sutherland gay or a drug addict or both?
0: In real life? No, no, no. In the Ba-dum.
1: movie. <laughs> <Helfer>. <laughs> uh, I,
0: I found the Sutherland of it all to be so annoying that, like, full disclosure, I just kind of was like, I don't want to think about this. It's just like I like Donald Sutherland a lot. Like I think he's a great actor. I think it's like weirdly should be like it's a very rare
1: occurrence. Yeah, it's a very Uh, rare occurrence where he shows up in a film and he's the worst part of the film, which is usually the opposite. It's usually the opposite. It's like you call Donald Donald Sutherland and to to just hit some to catch fire and hit some threes and then get off the court. I, I think someone. I
0: think someone should be brought before the Hague for the fact that Donald Sutherland <laughs> has. Are you ready for this? Zero Oscar nominations. Really? A big fat goose egg.
1: That's crazy. That's insane. That's, that's right? actually crazy. I'm surprised he didn't get a supporting for JFK. Just like the. Most We're all surprised, surprised
0: thing. he didn't get it. Well, yeah. well, you know, someone got a supporting for JFK. It was Tommy Lee Jones? <laughs>
1: Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> it's very odd. Uh, pick.
0: I, but OK, but 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 here's the thing about Donald Sutherland. The lead in a best picture winner. He's the only person from ordinary people to not get an oh, Oscar yeah. nomination
1: because Hirsch I'm does
0: Hutton movie. does. And uh, oh, my God, I'm blanking on her name. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Mary
1: Tyler Moore. Mary
0: Tyler Moore does. Thank you. Yeah. Like I would Sutherland... argue
1: he gives the best performance in that movie as well mm-hmm. you don't think so Hutton's real good in <laughs> ordinary it's pretty good but donald sutherland closes the movie out at the end sure when Who he's drinking my... scotch or whatever would whatever i ever give
0: donald sutherland yes i mean i would probably give him an oscar nomination for um uh jfk because that's just an
1: insane scene uh it's, it's like the scene that broke America. It's it's essentially the scene that broke America. Like that movie actually we didn't talk about it enough. I don't think we were talking about Oliver Stone. How much that movie kind of split, uh, cracked America down the middle.
0: Yeah, well people are dumb. And not, in, not in like a
1: polarized not in like a polarized political way. Like actually like shattered the fabric that was like holding <laughs> the facade of America yeah. together. Uh, Donald
0: Sutherland also not nominated for Invasion of the Body Snatchers even though
1: I was just gonna say he should. He, should he should. probably should have won for that, but like great. The, the academy wasn't gonna. No, respect but him like if like we're the, talking uh, about like okay, time. but
0: let's 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 say this. If we're saying Donald Sutherland, right? The yeah. two, the two that seem real obvious, because you can say, "Well, JFK," don't look is... now. No, I'm not saying don't look now because that movie is wild. But if you want to say JFK is too much, right? Yeah. He's not nominated for MASH, and he's not nominated for Ordinary People. Like, do we need to nominate Ryan O'Neal? Somebody messed up. Do we need to nominate Ryan O'Neal for Best Actor for Love Story? Is what I'm (laughs) going to say. A, A really bad performance. Yeah. Do we need to have nominated... I've never seen Tribute. Do we need to have nominated Jack Lemmon for Tribute? Like... Actually, the 1980 best actor lineup is kind of like untouchable. So maybe not that. Maybe I understand why he's not there for ordinary people. You know what? I would maybe put him in instead of John Hurt for The Elephant Man. I'm sorry. I'm sorry.
1: We'll get to talk about him again later. So we'll do that. We will. The... What's
0: he in? Yeah.
1: Oh, he's in, uh, you know, he plays Colin's dad, I think. He plays... If I remember
0: correctly. Oh my God. Hold on. I'm looking this up.
1: He's really good in Pride and Prejudice. He's a real fucking good in.
0: fucking Pride and Prejudice. You're goddamn right. He yes. is. Uh, a movie I will drag us kicking and screaming into doing on this podcast someday. I think um, we,
1: could, we could probably we could probably find a way.
0: And that's I mean. a promise from me. Uh, really fun of the burnt orange heresy a couple of years ago. Um, this is like guys give give Donald Sutherland the like nice juicy role. Um. Oh yeah, he's in horrible boss. Give him yeah. the like nice juicy role, um, that lets um, him get just a nomination. I don't even need him to win. I would just like him to have more Oscar nominations than his son, which at this point is, is goose egg for both of them.
1: <laughs> okay. Let me move on to my. Let me move on to my. Well, I just wanted to say it. It's it's uh like the way he. Creates this situation where Colin can steal milk from the milkman is he's either hooking up or doing drugs with the milkman. I just I can't figure out.
0: I think he's doing drugs with the is. milkman. Yeah, uh, it's just the, the the hacky it is, and especially because it's how the movie really opens with a lot of Sutherland. It's a lot of really hacky. Like you thought L A was the city of dreams uh but it's, it's actually, actually the city of
1: nightmares uh,
0: just gonna once again throw this out why was john sutherland not nominated for clute why was John sutherland not nominated for oh, fucking Clued. day of the locust uh yeah. like come on what are we doing here you know what i'll say it where's his best supporting actor nomination for national lampoon's animal house uh great <laughs> performance great performance
1: okay so uh yeah, yeah. probably the worst part of this movie my next question Easy. is Adina Menzel, she's got scars all over her legs.
0: What's going was on? Was she here?
1: like in a house fire? I don't. Or was this done to her? Or
0: somebody me... thinks
1: that she was attacked the way she reacts to Colin later in the film?
0: I think she was attacked. So yeah.
1: let's let's run through this, okay? Colin gets a knock on his door.
0: Yeah, about he like opens 30, it. 40 minutes into the movie
1: okay i I could tell I could tell you exactly what's that what what's about to happen he goes to he sits in Camilla's car he's waiting for her to get out of work when she gets out of work she's walking down the street with Sammy so he leaves and goes back to his apartment cut to a knock on his door he opens the door it's adina menzel we've we haven't seen her at all this point in the film yeah I don't can even I, just... I I don't even know if I can describe to you like what happens when she shows up nothing like on the page noteworthy other than like she seems very unstable and she's acting like she knows him she's also very rude to him like calling him a bad writer which doesn't make sense later and like literally like five minutes later that that part doesn't really make sense i have i have two uh, things
0: i have two things to say about this yeah the first is that in 1998 robert town directed a steve prefontaine biopic with i believe jared leto uh, yeah. And Donald Sutherland uh, got uh, a Best Supporting Actor nomination at the Golden Globes for that. Um, there's no reason why Robert Duvall needs a Best Supporting acting nomination at the Oscars that year. We could just slot Donald Sutherland in there, and it's probably a better lineup. I've never seen a civil action, but Duvall does not need another nomination. Um, <laughs> yeah. My actual point is that you could like airlift this entire subplot out of the movie, I feel like.
1: The Adina Menzel one. The Adina Menzel one. Because yeah, because I feel like even even she dies.
0: Well, let let me, let me let me let me just speed, yeah let me just speed
1: run through it. Even after she dies, it seems like whatever he learned from his experience with her does not really affect his let relationship me, yeah. with Camilla.
0: Let me run through it. Is she shows up in his apartment one day? She starts talking. About him, like they know each other. He kind of because, like they know
1: each other, but am I not? Am I not? Am I wrong? She's like rude to him when she shows up. She's rude to him, and she's talking yeah. about them
0: like he know each other, and that like he's wronged her. He's a little confused, so he decides to like stick around with her for a bit. They go to a bar, and the bartender's like. You were in here the other day, well, and that lady was like following you. Yeah,
1: he gets it's a little, not. It's not that he sticks. It's not that he sticks around her for a little bit. It's she won't leave, so he suggests that they yeah, go get a drink at yeah. a bar as a, as a means to get her out of his exactly. Apartment. He yeah.
0: he starts to suspect that this woman's stalking him. He ditches her. She finds him again. She basically cops to No, stalk he, him. he
1: he sneaks out of the bar while yeah. she's sitting at. Like he goes to the yes. bathroom, but he really leaves. And she sit while she's sitting at the bar ordering a drink. By the time he gets back to his right. apartment, she has taken a cab back to his apartment. He, and she's sitting there
0: on his bed. He eventually realizes that like this is a woman who had read some of his work. And found it so affecting that she wanted to be with him, which is what actually ends up attracting him to her, right? Like, that, like he's fine with her psychosis when she realizes that he's a fan. Uh, Hayek is also, like, freezing him out at this point in the story. And yeah. so he's kind of very much settling for this woman. He kind of gradually understands that she, she is married. Her marriage isn't good. She has these, like, awful scars. She's clearly... When she gets a sense that there's like some racial tension between him and Camilla, she starts to freak out because she's Jewish. So she clearly has this like, th- there is this unspoken tension that she has been like the victim of a hate crime
1: at some point yeah. in the past. That's what I think it's implied. Yes, is that so, she has PTSD from a hate has, crime that was she has done
0: PTSD. Her. Her. She's covered yeah. in scars. He is clearly settling for her, and then one day she's out. And an earthquake happens, and, a build, and the building she's in collapses, and she dies. And that's Adina Menzel's role in the motion picture
1: as yeah. the dust. I think Bandini, It's I think it's also implied that he loses his virginity to her. Uh, it's, no, because he's yeah. already slept with...
0: Oh, okay, that's actually the question. I was to say, yeah. do you think he has sex with Salma
1: Hayek at the beach? No. You think it's just him, a fantasy? Yeah, because he's angry. Yeah, maybe. And he tries to... He, like, kind of tries to drown her a little bit. Oh, you mean... You mean when... No, that's him writing. Yeah, but I was saying... He's trying... Because that's, that's when he starts writing to Mencken. He's like, I, I don't know, have real experiences. Yeah. Do you
0: think... Uh, clearly, Camilla and Bandini have this flirtation at the beach, where they, they go to the beach after hours, and she starts skinny dipping, and she talks him into skinny dipping. Uh, this is movie number two, where you get a brief glimpse of Colin Farrell's penis, by the way. Uh... Um, but they start skinny dipping, and they start roughhousing, and she, like, fakes that she's drowning to such a degree that he starts to panic.
1: She uh, just as, fakes like, that she had disappeared. Yeah,
0: her yeah. her revenge on him for being such a bully. But they have this, like, flirtatious back and forth the, the naked, and then it hard cuts back to him in his room writing this, like, very pornographic story about the two of them fucking on the beach afterwards and it's intercut with like scenes of them having sex this is my question i think they did i think he's just like embellishing it because he still was like well it has to be more right like i think yeah, like the, the uh... super
1: cartoonish
0: sex scene we see
1: is i don't is know be- i don't think i don't think they do because it's it's such a like big moment to both of them when they do have sex maybe. when they're at that's retreating true. at the end maybe of the i don't
0: know yeah but if that's the case, then he definitely does lose his virginity to the Benzel character.
1: Yeah, and I think it's like literally, it's like later that it's it's like it's the classic shot of like it cuts with him. He they kind of embrace if i remember correctly and then it cuts and colin's like buttoning his shirt up and like putting his tie back on and then he's walking down the boardwalk and if the dogs start barking and it feels like something's not quite right then the bricks start like shooting out of the ground you you realize an earthquake is happening and then he walks past the building and he can see is it her is it her hand with her wedding ring on it's her hand, what but, he but, but but but, but yeah. like the,
0: the, the rescue teams have like immediately identified her, so they yeah. keep like saying her name out loud just in case we don't get it. Um, this I was just like, I feel like it wow, all, this I've
1: everybody has a like because in the this at Oscar Buzz podcast, whoever is summarizing this part of the film says that they that he gets married to her, no, and yeah, no. and you just said that. He's there for like a certain amount of days, and to me, I'm like, I thought he was there for one day. Like, I thought he showed up, no, it, they had sex, and then he was leaving.
0: Sometime, sometime the has passed. Happened.
1: Sometime
0: has passed. Um, this to me, though, th- this is just like, oh right, this is based on a novel, right? Like this, this sort of like weird dalliance yeah. is just gonna play better in prose when you have more space, and you're just left being like. why is this in here? Is this in here to get another big name in the movie? Some more nudity in the movie, which doesn't even make sense because her nude scene is so chaste and Salma's is so graphic that you're just like... This is is like an artifact from the novel that doesn't feel like it has any place in the movie.
1: I think there's a... I think in literature motifs, they need repetition to build. But film is so... Like, images are so momentous on their own that you don't need to see something over and over and over again before the point begins to stick so you can cut that's you know movies have to cut fat out of novels just because novels are so long yes but uh, there there is fat to cut and it's not necessarily that it's fat when it exists in the novel but it would be fat when it's portrayed on the screen that is
0: exactly what i'm making but knowing now what you've told me about the camilla character in the novel i am increasingly baffled that this made Final Cut.
1: I don't and even know if the... this is in the novel. I'm guessing that it is. I it, it seems like be. it's such an odd thing it to just has include to it out of nowhere. Yeah. Do you have anything else you want to say about this movie? Um it's so weird that there's a guy named Mencken in this and Justin Kirk is in this. Is he playing uh, a guy named Mencken? Yeah. His character okay. on succession is, is named Jared Mencken. Is
0: his character on on succession? Named after H.L. Mencken, the real historical figure that is discussed in this movie.
1: I don't. I don't think so. Okay. Do you know? Have you watched Succession? I we we talked about it. I watched
0: the yeah. first episode and I was like, oh, "This yeah, is not yeah. very good," and I'm no interested in watching any more of it.
1: He plays like he plays like. um if hot Jordan Peterson he's, was running for president, no,
0: he's he's like the, the 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 like the the Trump analog almost, right?
1: Yeah, but it's more yeah. like it's more like if it was like a hot yes, like better if it was like a hot like I keep saying hot, <laughs> uh, but uh, more articulate, like easier to hide the fascism. Yes, that's
0: my, my, my I, yeah. I I have on the internet, yeah. so I'm very aware of what happens in succession. In any yeah. given week. Um, you want to know my other hot take on Succession and why I have no desire to watch it? You know who sure. I kind of can't stand? Jeremy Strong. Jeremy Strong. Yeah. <laughs> and we can table it now because I'm going to tell you, we're going to get into why I don't like Jeremy Strong. Because we're oh, going to talk about Exhibit A in why I hate Jeremy Strong on this very podcast. Uh, okay. I have, Connor, I have vaguely alluded so, like, whenever we're like, is this the worst movie we've talked about? I'm like, mm, but there's something coming up. And there's it's that, something okay. I haven't fight. seen I and haven't
1: seen that movie. Uh, spoiler so.
0: alert, gang. It's the fucking gentleman is gonna be a barn burner of an episode.
1: <laughs> um, do you have anything else to talk I I got one thing I want to talk to. you. Yeah, about. let me see. Let me check tuberculosis. Is is uh contagious, right? I think so. Like, I don't, every fiction I've seen where somebody dies of tuberculosis was, like, everybody else around them not worried about getting tuberculosis. Because, like, he, mm-hmm. like, Bandini literally kisses Camilla while she's, like, coughing blood onto her pillow at the oh. end of the, the movie.
0: Can I, can I just touch on two things? One brief and then one, like, an actual topic. Yeah. Uh, I think Colin Farrell is the only uh Hollywood actor I've ever seen uh pronounce Colorado correctly. Oh. yeah because he does in this movie and every time you see like big stars place people who are from Colorado they always say Colorado like they pronounce it like the actual Colorado. word in Spanish Ado. but it's Colorado and he says Colorado. that uh, the only thing wrong it's with a good the accent. Best... It's
1: a, he it's a great it's accent, a good accent. The, yeah.
0: the only thing wrong with the best movie ever made which is Molly's Game and is otherwise an unimpeachable oh, movie is that they all say Colorado in that movie and they never would. Otherwise, there was nothing wrong with Molly's
1: game. <laughs> the best. Dude. I'm just going to well, let's just push on. When was that. the last time
0: you watched Molly's game?
1: In theaters. When it Watch it again, and you'll be like, it. oh, right, this shit fucking cooks, baby. I just don't. The Michael Sarah stuff is is very funny. You know who he's playing in that, right? I yeah, he's playing uh, a little Spider-Man. You know, but he's also Spider-Man playing. Action.
0: But he's also playing. When Benjamin but, Affleck,
1: is he really
0: the the the, the performance is the performance is modeled off Tobey Maguire, but apparently yeah. some of the details. Apparently, it's like eighty percent Toby, like twenty percent Ben Affleck. That like uh, occasionally there will uh, be stuff. That. That is actually more stories about Ben Affleck than Toby. But mostly it's I I didn't even I thought Ben Affleck didn't
1: play poker.
0: That's what that's what I heard. That's the rumors. That's what everyone said.
1: I thought I was under the understanding that the reason he wasn't in rounders was because he doesn't. Maybe
0: he started play later. Poker. I don't Yeah,
1: know. that is true. Yeah.
0: Um and this is my this is my last thing I want to say. I want to throw this at you and see if you get it. Because I was thinking about this movie, right? Yeah. And I was thinking about the new world. A movie that is almost as good as this movie, and I was thinking about Alexander, a movie that is uh, not as good as these movies,
1: almost as good as. <laughs> That's these fucking movies. insane. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Alexander's the worst one we've watched, right? Easy, easy. Yeah, I There's...
0: don't know. American
1: Outlaws was was pretty horrible, but we get. You said it. Yeah, it's more There's interesting. Just, but I mean, you know, it's you know what? American
0: Outlaws is part of this though, right? American outlaws gets to be in the club for one to sake. I've been seeing a lot lately. I don't know what it is, but like, do you know the sort of recursive discourse that pops up about iPhone face? That there's this idea mm. that like,
1: Oh, that's contemporary
0: like... stars. There's yeah. just something about like Gen Z and younger millennial stars where they're like, their, their faces are too contemporary and they don't work in period pieces.
1: The idea is like when you're watching a, a a when you're watching a period piece, and you're like, that person has seen an iPhone, exactly. Before. Like yeah. you,
0: that is a face that knows what an iPhone is. Yeah. Watching these three period pieces in a row, I am struck by this this intangibility of Colin's face, where it's not so much that Colin has the sort of face that fits in naturally to antiquity the colonial era or the depression but it's that there's something about his face that like exists out of time right that like you can slot him into any era because he never looks like a normal person in any era he's always going to be the somewhat enchanting figure and that's why he can lock into all these these time periods so well. Cause like, if I described the, the fit in the new world, right. To you, you would be like, that's ridiculous. This like, you know, water soaked, sun drenched male with model. An earring. With an with earring. earring.
1: But you watch yeah. it in the movie and you're like. And tat- well- <laughs> like tribal tattoos. And tribal tattoos. <laughs> he also has tribal tattoos. Yeah. But yeah. you watch,
0: you watch him in the movie and you're like, but he's, he somehow is beyond association with time. Does that make sense? It does, yeah. And I I I think it's the same here that, like, there's something almost classical about his beauty that lets him be this, like, postmodern riff on a studio era movie star in a way that your daemons and your Affleck's
1: and your other big stars of this era aren't. I add something to this discussion. We can get back to his face specifically. Alexander, not a great film. No. But you can tell that he starts shaping his body to match the performances. I think starting with Alexander. Sure, He didn't really seem to do that much with the other films. I mean, honestly, he doesn't have time for the earlier films. He's fit, but I wouldn't say he's in shape for like SWAT and the recruit, stuff like that. It's more like he's slender. He's he doesn't have fat on his a lot of fat on his body. I like in the new world. I didn't get a chance to say it. I like in the new world that he's built like an outside linebacker. Like what you would imagine a soldier of that sure. century is like actually built like, like sure. he seemed to have put on quite a bit of body fat for that film, but to also like maintain like a certain like functional bulk of muscle that somebody who's walking around with like a 70 pound set of armor on would actually. Okay. Yeah. And it's, he, he looks far bigger in that film than in this one he he actually does look like kind of a starving writer he seemed yes. to have lost a, a decent amount of but it's not soul.
0: you know we talked about yeah. christian bale's like showiness
1: last week it's it's not and it's as, not that it's it's only noticeable when you're watching these films week to week yeah. like that and you're only watching colin Farrell stuff you know what i mean and I'll you're be, progressing be- the way that we're progressing with it he he shapes his body not to look like a contemporary a contemporary fit man he shapes his body to look like how men would during these time periods and to like fit the character that he's playing in these time periods was just doesn't like i was watching like i was uh re-watching the prestige to get ready for a christian bale conversation i didn't watch the whole movie but sure. there is a there is a scene in that film where hugh jackman is shirtless and he looks like a bodybuilder from 2006 well he's fucking shoot
0: but he is but that's the thing like yeah. part of the reason that colin can do this is because colin has started seriously slowing down as like yeah. that's that's a part of of the narrative that we're like not acknowledging that it's like if he does you know, let's even include Home at the End of the World, because he shoots that in 2003. But if he does 10 movies in between 2000 and 2003, right, Mm -hmm. then he has done, in functionally like the equivalent window, he's done what, three movies, right? Like he's, he's on these, obviously, this is not like this massive epic shoot, like Alexander and New World are, but he's you know, he's on longer shoots and he's taking longer breaks between he's, the he, movies. There's more prep time. So he has the prep up, time to do yeah. that, which is obviously about to stop because he's about to go like he's about to like settle into the pace. I think come two thousand nine, he's gonna settle into the pace that I think of him as now, which is like four movies a year, right? Yeah, but
1: he's still he's still like but the I mean, last most films he puts on weight. Yeah, And then he takes it off immediately for some stuff. And he gets down to like a really low body fat percentage for some of the films we're about to see. Yeah, I want to. Yeah,
0: I I had not had this thought. But now that you put this thought, I kind of want to chart this like we've been charting the accents. And
1: I think I'll be watching for it. This movie comes out in March. I think he's out of rehab by this point. No actually he's he might still be in rehab when yeah I don't I I, yeah.
0: I have not found much on the actual rehab dates he he's in I
1: know all I know is that when the new world is making its theatrical yeah. run he he could not do the PR because he was yeah. in rehab it
0: yeah it seems his relationship to it seems to be which is fine like it's it's it obviously has every right to, to have whatever relationship he wants to have with it right yeah my sense i am getting with his relationship to the drugs and alcohol is that he is very very willing to acknowledge that it happened but he does not ever seem to want to get into the details of it you know like Fair he's enough. he's yeah. not ashamed but he doesn't seem to ever really want to like weighed in the muck of it, like some other celebrities would.
1: I don't think he doesn't want it to define him. He doesn't want it to define him. But he's,
0: he will, he is very open to the fact that he went to rehab. He obviously went to rehab again a few years ago. Like he doesn't seem to be ashamed about acknowledging that, but I cannot, i have not done a massive amount of looking, obviously. Uh, He does not seem to be that vocal about his experiences in rehab, nor does he have to be yeah Uh, but yeah we are we are coming up on the end of bad boy college it's so interesting right because i am like charting this headspace in my brain of like in bruges as this sea change because of it being like the first time he's really taken seriously and i was struck by two things you pulled up in, in our research here one is that Roger Ebert seems to be the only person who's ahead of the curve because Ebert has this very much sense of like, well, Colin's great in this movie as always,
1: right? He's constantly every film, like, he gives a very unexpected great performance. Yeah, I know. The movie's not as good. Like, the movie is not deserving of the performance that he's giving. It's like almost what every review by Ebert is written. You were
0: pulling up some interviews with Salma with these, like, real Z-list online rags, right?
1: Yeah. But but those people watched a lot of these.
0: But those people are coming at this thing of like, oh God, how is Salma Hayek, you know, a real Academy Award-nominated actress, gonna have to put up with Colin Farrell's bullshit? Right? Like that's that's the tone the like shittier rags are taking towards this movie. And even Salma. In one of the interviews was like, yeah, I was really fucking nervous about having to come into the shoot because, like, you hear all these bad stories about this guy. And then she's like, oh, and then he's great when you get there because he's a good actor. But, like, it, it cannot be stated that is still a cloud that is hanging over him as late as 2006, that he's not a real actor, right? Like I, I think we forget that twenty yeah. years later. But people were the exception of Ebert. People still are not taking him seriously. He is still a party boy, and that's not going to change until he gets out of rehab. And it sucks. It's it's Cause a difficult he's really thing. fucking good in some of these movies.
1: It's not something that really happens anymore, at least not with male, at least not with male actors. We it's don't really have something that happens recently.
0: We yeah. don't have train wreck male actors anymore.
1: I don't think we have I don't think we have a lot of fixtures in film and television who are considered not real actors, but like, yeah, get so, regularly ca- like there are people who get cast in one thing like one television show because they were like discovered on the street or in like a restaurant or yes. just like showed up to a random casting call. But those people don't typically go on to star, have lead roles in other feature films and other television shows. This is like a interesting case where obviously Colin is a gifted actor, but like his reputation just entails that he's this party boy, but somehow gets, keeps getting cast in film after film. Yes. After film, after film.
0: So I think I think it's a three-pronged thing with where we are in 2023 vis-a-vis this.
1: Yeah.
0: I think first, uh, stand culture and optimism culture have like bled their way over into film and television to enough of a degree that like, just the way we discuss anyone who's a working actor is I think much more positive, which I'm personally fine with because I've made the case that there are very few bad working actors right because i think like to some degree there's a baseline good that you have to be but like we're just more respectful of celebrities in general as a culture now and that extends to it point number two is that we don't have train wreck male celebrities anymore for whatever reason obviously there have always been more train wreck female celebrities but like the closest thing we have to a train wreck male celebrity in 2023, I honestly think is Maddie Healy
1: of the 1975. It's not even, yeah, but, we're not even but, talking about. But that's the closest thing. He's the closest thing to like the bad boy persona that Colin was perceived but, as but having.
0: That's someone yeah. where what we're actually thinking of is that. We are aware that he wants us to think of him in that terms, not so much that we think of him in that terms, but that we're we are conscious of the fact that that's the persona he puts forth as a celeb. Point number three, and I think this is the big one. Because I think of the broader sense of how we think about celebrities and that we're more positive and kinder to celebrities these days. We also don't have train wreck female celebrities anymore because the closest thing we have in this modern age to a figure like Lindsay Lohan, right, is someone like Demi Lovato. But the way we think about Demi Lovato is that she's actually a survivor and she's very strong, right? Yeah. Like we've – and for good reason, I would say. We don't have that – I would actually say we do still have that train wreck. Like, like look, look at a Look at the, look at the disaster energy going on, but we've reframed it to be supportive and loving. Right. That like, we're honestly still like pointing and gawking whenever Demi Lovato relapses and goes to, to rehab, but we're, we're acting like we're doing it out of the kindness of our heart. Do you get what I'm saying? How would you,
1: how would you place Ezra Miller in this discussion?
0: Ezra Miller is different because as Ezra, <laughs> ezra Miller,
1: such a straight it's not like partying it's like such a strange type of
0: first of all yeah it's it's
1: train it's, wreck it's not, like the shape of the wreck is so weird
0: i don't think that that's the other thing though is that as that ezra miller is still a star is because a major corporation put all their chips on Ezra Miller <laughs> they can, too they can't
1: long get ago yeah.
0: to have pulled out. And therefore, yeah. the machine needs Ezra Miller to be a star. But also, what that ended up being was Warner Brothers fucking clamped down on Ezra Miller and like won't let Ezra Miller out of the compound, right? And like Ezra Miller did the like, I'm so sorry tour. I mean, I guess. I guess a better analogy is almost Shia LaBeouf, but like people's response to Shia LaBeouf was to be like, "No, we're not. You're you're done, right?" Like, you get that like bad boy male yeah. star energy anymore, and people are just that's like,
1: also more that's also more the door. along the lines of the Ezra Miller context, though. But even where before
0: his, the the allegations, his wreck came
1: out. is a different shape. It's but, not
0: before all that the
1: same way that Collins is yeah
0: before all that when he's like I'm a tempestuous bad boy who drinks a lot before anyone would accuse him of abuse right like yeah or like someone like Pattinson where Pattinson's like I'm a weird little freak Leto is the same way where it's like they have this like destructive chaos energy but it's entirely professional right like that I
1: guess you have like a the contemporary this closer, bad boy I guess you also have like a case like this, but this most of this also happened years ago, so it's more in line with with what was happening with Colin in two thousand six. But like Zac Efron having issues with alcoholism, but a lot of it, it, a lot of it wasn't public until he had already like come to terms with his issues with he's,
0: alcoholism. He's you know not I mean? at clubs though, right? Efron wasn't out yeah. like yelling at Pats. That that's the big difference. It
1: wasn't like the public knew this was happening and yeah, watched it's, him like aim towards recovery. It was like, he came out and was like, I'm a recovered alcoholic. And people were like, Oh, I didn't know that about you. Yeah. I think that happens more often now. Yes. Then, unless you want to talk about Affleck, who just seems to have a wreck every like five years. (laughs) Again, Affleck (laughs) is
0: different because the, the, the the, I've said this, but the juice of Affleck is that he's the most relatable celebrity. Like truly, um, he feels the most human. Um, I mean, I guess the, the 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 end all be all of this is that uh, what's Austin Butler doing on a Saturday night? And we the answer is just we don't like
1: no, right? Think he's just like hanging out with Paul McCartney's daughter and sure. listening to the vinyl. That's what it sounds like.
0: <laughs> um, I mean, there's there's the other side of it, which is that a lot of the bad boy energy gets shifted onto rappers and athletes. And there's a totally yeah. a racialized element of that because if we're looking at like who are the male celebrities who are still getting into like altercations in public and having like weird pap incidents and fighting with people and have like vocal drug problems, it's it's rappers and athletes and we're we're more willing to have that like gawking energy because they're black, and that's just it. That's just it. I Do you have anything cover... to say about this movie?
1: I want this to cover is... one thing. Yeah. yeah. Just, I just want to bring this up because oh. I kind of blew you off when you asked before. You oh. asked if uh, Justin Kirk's character, Jared Mencken, on Succession was named after the real HL Mencken. That is, re- yeah, HL Mencken, the publisher who's for doing yes. this movie. Um, did you see the thing that happened with Matthew McFadden's character, Tom um the theory about where his. So name I did see
0: from? that, and then I yeah. saw. It what's who's jesse armstrong saying like weird coincidence. that's all it is
1: well yeah so a lot of people think uh, spoilers it's too much to get into but due to the end of the show a lot of people think that tom whamsgams a fictional character is named after a baseball player from the 10s and 20s named bill whamsgams who's i think the only baseball player ever in major league history to um to complete well, an unassisted triple play in the World Series, in the World Series, in the World Series, he's the okay. only
0: he's the only person to do an unassisted triple play in the World Series. I've and never he,
1: seen an unassisted triple play. That's insane so to think. I've about. seen assisted triple plays. Yeah. So if um, if like you know whatever, uh then Jesse Armstrong was like, we're all British and well, none of us know anything be about baseball. Because. Yeah. <laughs>
0: because the, the whole idea of the show is that there are these three people feuding to win and people are like well that that's such a weird name that could be a hint that we he's don't need going to, waste to time win on this. people people understand yeah, what succession yeah. is
1: about yeah um but i was just saying so like maybe he he is named maybe Who know, knows? Like, nobody knows but some people will say yes other people will say no um,
0: the 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 Here's what I'll say about the Whamsgam thing, even though they say they don't want to say it's a coincidence. I believe them. But the way this theory was floated to me was that this is a show called Succession in which the protagonists are named Roy, which means king, right? You track that, yeah. obviously. And then a major character on the show is
1: named Wamsgans. Like,
0: how do you come up with that name?
1: Yeah, I read a story earlier today that was like, there was somebody in a writer's room named Whamscans and they okay. were, they were sure. looking for they were looking for a name that was like kind of awkward to say to like, okay. you know, allude to the fact that this was a man who was like an outsider who was joining this yes. this family. Yeah. Um, OK, man, maybe I'm going to another shot. I have a list here that is taken from uh, just a random list on IMDb of non of non-Italian actors who played. Italian Oh, this is great in fiction <laughs> do you want to take a guess who these probably you know, it might not cover everything but I have out in front of me three prominent characters from the godfather who are Italian who were played by non-Italian well actors. James Kahn. James Caan is one he was German Jewish yeah played Sonny Corleone
0: bro can we sidebar for a second yeah uh so I as I've said I'm I, I'm in LA I've been in LA for a couple of days um I went to the Academy Museum, like the Oscars Academy Museum the other yeah. day. Uh, incredible, highly recommend it to anyone. But they've got this whole um Godfather wing of the exhibit which is great, but like the marquee space of the Godfather exhibit is that they've got like a little documentary about the casting that includes a lot of the like screen tests that people do
1: including the uh, like-, like the one with De Niro. Well, yeah. that's what we say.
0: the The mythical uh, screen test where Marlon Brando, in the moment, like decides to stuff his cheeks. Oh, they, they have, have that. that. One there? Yeah, but the yeah. one that blew my mind is they have De Niro reading for Sonny, yeah. and they have Khan reading for Michael. Uh, yeah. They also have Talia Shire reading for Kay, which strikes me as disaster. And I'm like debating if she was just sitting in on the screen test
1: for whoever was testing yeah, for Michael strange. at that point. That uh, doesn't make any sense. The whole thing yeah. with Kay is she's not a Exactly. It she's doesn't. Not she to has to have been sitting <laughs> yeah. in. Uh,
0: but no, these screen tests are And the De Niro, the De Niro sunny stuff is so, it wouldn't have worked. It's like too silly.
1: I've seen that one so many times. It's he's so doing different. a lot of um what's his Mean Street's character name? John. Exactly, Drake, Johnny. Right? Where yeah, he's got like, the, the long
0: hair and the ponytail and the hat. He's got
1: the fedora on. Yeah. He's got the
0: fedora on, yeah. It's so cool though. Um, who else in The Godfather is not Italian? Okay. Just, just yeah. Uh
1: um, The Godfather himself. Is Brando, Brando not Italian? German, Dutch, English, Irish. Interesting. Okay, yeah, Brando. Yeah. Um oh uh, it said his 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 uh surname was originally brandow oh that makes yep yeah, there we go there and we then go. changed to brando when he became an actor i guess he is
0: most famous otherwise for playing like poles right like kowalski, Stanley kowalski, kowalski right kowalski yeah. and and the guy he plays it on the waterfront is also like germanic right like or polish or something
1: uh i would assume uh, man wait i i've actually I should find this up out now so on the waterfront takes place in hoboken and yeah. hoboken was basically only irish german and then there were like five italians and one of them happened to be frank sinatra <laughs> but like it was not an italian town you, you he plays a, a he plays an irish guy terry Molloy. terry Malloy.
0: yeah Malloy. right yeah. but you know it's a fucking great movie on the waterfront <laughs> on the fucking water road. yeah
1: sorry i love that um,
0: sorry, sorry we have sorry. a
1: character from the godfather part three
0: Oh, that's not a else. real movie. Is it the George <laughs>
1: Hamilton character? Is he no. playing Italian? Cause... Andy Garcia is Cuban. Oh, of course Italian. Andy
0: Garcia is Cuban. Yeah.
1: Okay. Uh, we have two characters from Goodfellas. Is it
0: Leo? Well, Leota isn't playing Italian and neither is De Niro. Well, uh, he's playing
1: half Italian. Yeah, And De Niro's playing, playing half Italian. Yeah. Is it those two? Leota is Scottish. Was Yeah, I knew that. American parents henry hill's brother in the movie do you remember who plays him no it's I... kind of a cameo but it's a pre-cameo kevin corrigan plays henry hill's brother he and does kevin corrigan is puerto rican and irish i yeah.
0: love kevin corrigan he is one of my favorite he's in a addict. wheelchair
1: in can the I... movie he's in can a wheelchair I... god yeah uh
0: can i float you a theory that I've that i've floated many times in the past and has never done anything <laughs> about kevin corrigan oh yes what is it if kevin corrigan's in the movie it's a good movie. It's a good movie. A hundred. Yeah. A, it's it's like what De Niro used to say about, um, oh my God, who's the guy from Paris, Texas?
1: Oh. Um, um, Harry Dean Stanton.
0: Yeah. Ebert Ebert had a thing that like if Harry Dean Stanton is in a movie, it's a good movie because Harry Dean Stanton's in it. That's, that's I mean, that's that, also true. Yeah. But I truly feel about that about Kevin Corrigan. But it's not so much I think that I like Kevin Corrigan as an actor or i'm always excited to see him show up it's that if someone's thinking to cast kevin corrigan they're probably making like an interesting movie
1: they know what they're doing yeah because um, like that's i the actually sort of i take back makes. what i just said because uh uh harry dean stanton is in uh, og avengers and i don't like that movie so
0: oh well, he's you know, great I'm, in that movie and that
1: movie rules i don't like og avengers no i don't what? like what the fuck movies. yeah
0: Oh, we're doing All right, we fucking D- uh, Doughty Jr., buddy. Three, uh, three, three to
1: six prominent characters from the Sopranos universe.
0: Never seen the Sopranos. I'm just that. telling you right now, by the way, uh, we are doing a Kevin Corrigan, uh, Mount Rushmore, when we get to Kevin Corrigan. In this what is he... uh what don't is... look it up. And I'm not telling you. You're just going to be watching a movie one day, and Kevin Corrigan's going <laughs> to be in it, and you're going to be like, "Fuck, we're doing the Rushmore."
1: That's okay. I'm prepared to. I'm I'm prepared to do Kevin Corrigan. We're actually doing a um, lot of
0: Rushmores on that episode because a lot of people are in that movie. Um, I can tell you
1: right now, if number one's not The Departed, what are you what are you doing? What are you doing? Just throwing heaters in The Departed. I know um, what Number
0: one is, and it's not The Departed. It's, it's The Departed. It's
1: not. Uh, okay, so. Both of Tony Soprano's children are are not Italian. <laughs> Jamie Lynn Sigler plays Meadow Soprano, is Jewish Romanian. Yes, Polish, Jamie Lynn Sigler, sure. Cuban, and Robert Eiler is, um, Don't Irish, know who that is. You forget he that I've is never the seen bully that beat up young uh, Ben Affleck in Daredevil when it's like pre when it's oh, like oh okay like yeah blind kid yeah, yeah Ben Affleck yeah, that's who that's, else is that's not AJ Italian. Soprano um david provol is romanian jewish don't know he who that is was richie aprile in the sopranos he was tony in mean streets the guy with the tiger yes in mean okay yeah. yep then you have the many saints in newark you want to take any guesses for for those three uh, literally i'm like well leota we just said leota yeah he doesn't count we already said him
0: okay uh We're literally two. i'm like who's in that movie but michael gandolfini and Alessandro nabola <laughs>
1: All right, we got John Bernthal who played uh, sure. Giovanni Soprano. He's also plays Lee Iacocca in Four vs. Ferrari, so he's done the Italian thing twice. Uh, you know uh, what John
0: Bernthal can do? Anything? Anything he fucking wants to do.
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> Jewish, German, Russian, Austrian, Polish. Um, Corey Stoll is Junior Soprano. Stoll's
0: in that movie.
1: Yeah, he plays Bernthal's brother.
0: Do I, do I need to um, see this
1: movie? Jewish, Russian, Hungarian, Austrian, yes. Polish, German. This one's the not a shocker to me, but a shocker, I think, to probably a lot of people who know this guy. Joey Diaz is is fully Cuban. I don't know who that He's is. Italian. He's the big New Jersey guy. I feel like if I sent you like Joey Diaz. Oh,
0: Daniel, that guy. About. No, that guy's Italian.
1: Sorry. <laughs> um uh we got another Mean Streets. Wait, can I ask you one
0: question about the Sopranos though? Yeah. So if those are the people who aren't Italian, yeah, that does mean that Frank Tony Lip vallalonga famously of The Sopranos, is a true blooded <laughs> Italian.
1: <laughs> I would I would assume so. <laughs> um, yeah. Moving on, we got uh, another Mean Streets actor. You want to take a guess?
0: Oh, I know this is Kaitel.
1: Yeah, Keitel you know how I know this? Romanian, Polish. Because he uh, does not look Italian is... in any way whatsoever. Because,
0: no, but specifically, uh, Keitel is Jewish. And I always feel like I want to dap up my Jewish friends whenever I think about that. Because that's like good for the Jews,
1: right? What's more important, Keitel or, or James Kahn for the Jews?
0: Uh, here's the thing. I know everyone says it's Kahn, but I actually do think it's Keitel. Because like, I think... Everyone thinks he's Italian, and he's fucking Harvey Keitel, right? Like, come on, yeah. what you gonna do? I love. Yeah. He
1: also plays one of the. He plays a Don in the Irishman. Um, but yeah, I, I, I yeah. Didn't
0: take a name I out. I found this out the other day because not the other day, like several years ago because there is. Do you know who Meyer Lansky was?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. There is. Oh, Schott? cool. I've watched Boardwalk Empire. Sure. Okay. There either. is. Yeah maybe completed, maybe still needs to be shot, maybe even released a Meyer Lansky biopic in which uh, Lansky is played by Keitel and John Magaro at various points in his life. And I was like, And I I saw that and I was like, are we seeding Meyer Lansky to the Italians? And I looked it up and I was like, Keitel's Jewish. Uh, Uh, Released on June 25th,
1: 2021. Yeah, it's, it's probably just not called really Lansky. Good. Yeah, probably not uh, for the for the listeners. Uh, it has a sixty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes, not yeah. terrible.
0: Okay. Uh, for the listeners um, who don't know, Meyer Lansky was a, a Jewish gangster in the first half of the twentieth century, who is mm-hmm. probably best known for being the guy who basically ran the mob's outfit in Cuba, along many other places, and a key figure in the development of Las Vegas, and is almost undeniably the most powerful and important non-italian in the history of the american mafia
1: yeah he uh, is who uh, uh lee strasberg's character yes. is based off of uh, and he is the guy
0: kingsley is playing in bugsy he's like a major figure in american organized crime like a, a yeah. big big deal uh, one of those guys who dodges a lot of indictments because he knew how to keep his head down and so like quietly ran long stretches of the mob for a long time.
1: Yeah. Who else we got? Um we got uh historic television detective.
0: Is Adrian Monk? Oh, Columbo
1: no, of course. Earlier. <laughs> Columbo. Yeah, Columbo, Peter Falk, Jewish Polish yep. Russian Hungarian Czech. Yep. Uh you know the movie Moonstruck?
0: Yes, yeah, so Cher is not Italian,
1: I believe. I think I think it. we don't know enough about her ancestry okay. to make a judgment. Okay. But there's is another. Dukakis there's another. Dukakis, actress, is not. Dukakis, Dukakis is Greek. Is, yeah. Yeah. Dukakis is
0: Greek. And I don't think, um, think
1: she's Italian. We already talked about. Well, there like Vin Diesel was on this list, and it was like father, African American, mother, white. And I was um, like, okay, that's not good uh, enough. Connor, for <laughs> like, I am <laughs> going
0: to tell you that something about Vin Diesel that I have thought about a lot. <laughs> we don't know that his dad was black. He's never said his stepfather, his stepfather who raised him was black, but, but we don't know unless unless I missed something, Vin Diesel apparently knows the ethnicity of his birth father, but I don't believe has ever acknowledged it. Did you see F9, by the way? I mean, Fast X, Fast uh, X,
1: the new one. I've seen nine. I haven't said it. I haven't uh,
0: continuing yeah. the like Vin Diesel is just trolling me specifically like chaos in the last few movies. That is what the fuck is the Toretto's ethnicity? Um, <laughs>
1: Wait, they, they have another family member. Like, I have Well, OK, so they member? have they
0: have two new. So Rita Moreno plays Dom's grandmother, right? Oh. <laughs> but here's the insane thing. Dom's son. Who is his son, not with Michelle Rodriguez, but with
1: with, um, Chris Hemsworth's wife, with Elsa Pataki,
0: Elsa Pataki, who is very white. Dom's son is fully played by a black actor in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Oh,
1: man. But I love it. Are there flashbacks to young Dom like there were in F9? No. But am I, do, am I out of line for saying Young Dom, the actor who plays Young Dom looks older than Vin Diesel? <laughs> no, as you're old not, because
0: Vin Diesel looks so old in this new one. But it's like it's especially like insane in the new one because like it was one thing to cast John's to cast John Cena as Dom's brother in the yeah. last one. It's another one to say dom's son is black now and then mostly have him pal around
1: with john cena and i'm like it's crazy it's crazy to say that uh, rita moreno is also john cena's (laughs)
0: uh i also uh just saw someone say this but apparently jordana brewster occasionally speaks portuguese in those movies because she is in fact ethnically brazilian so just adding another complication. Oh, my God. Because they're definitely Italian in the first one. But then yeah. eight eight straight up says they're Cubans. Like eight is just like, no, they're Cubans. And I'm like, whatever. I'll take it. <laughs> and then nine says John Cena's in the bloodline. And I'm I like.
1: Think nine also says they're Dominican at one point.
0: I believe their Mexicans play them as younger. I don't fuck.
1: Well, just the one, because the other one is like. That British kid who's been popping yeah. up in a lot of stuff, yeah, like the young John Cena is that kid from Peaky Blinders, yes. who's also in the Animal Kingdom television show spinoff, um, sure. who's very Anglo-looking.
0: It's just insane. Yeah. It's insane. Like I, and and he knows what he's doing, right? He's being like mm-hmm. a little stinker about it.
1: All right, we only have a few left. Yeah, um, Johnny Depp. We already said he's English-French. Yeah, played he's Brasco. played.
0: I mean, he's played. He's yeah. the fucking. He's the fucking White Cliff Curtis, right? <laughs> where he's like,
1: yeah, it, it's like the Oscar it, Isaac thing, where it's yeah. like Jewish, just any Oscar Isaac just plays any any ethnic, yeah, any ethnic possibility. Yes. Um. Uh. There's another Donny Brasco actor. Is Al Pacino secretly a goy? No, this guy worked. Uh, he got best known for working best known for his collaborations with Tarantino. bold of
0: you to assume that I'm like that intimately familiar with Donnie Brasco.
1: So I'm just looking I know, at the cast I'm trying of to Donnie Brasco. Yeah.
0: Oh, is it Madsen?
1: Yeah, Madsen is Danish, English, Irish, Scottish, German native. Okay.
0: American. Yeah. I just want to point out that he's playing a guy whose last name is uh Napolitano. <laughs> so yeah, no Madsen is not <laughs> Italian. Yeah, um, I saw that movie once, like ten years ago. It's really good. Uh, you know who's in that movie? Uh, Frank Valanga, Frank Senior. Frank Valanga is in <laughs>
1: yeah. Donnie Brasco. Yeah. I, I can't remember that. Um, he plays man, just I, one I, of the mobsters. I look. He hoped the the day where I I have to talk about the Valangas doesn't come. Um, oh man, that's gonna the research for that is gonna be brutal. Okay, we have a, a Dark Knight actor. I think oh, of course,
0: nice. it's uh, Eric Roberts.
1: Yeah. yeah, English, Scottish, Irish, Welsh, German. Eric Spanish, Roberts played a guy uh, named Sal Maroni.
0: Yes, he plays Summer. Eric Roberts is uh, the fucking man.
1: <laughs> um, True Romance.
0: Uh, another movie I saw like once, like ten years ago. I'm sorry. This guy's it... played
1: Italian a lot over the years. Isn't um, it
0: Walking? No. It's, yeah. yeah, it's Walking. It is Walking. It's Walking. Yeah.
1: German, Scottish. Yeah, yep. I think he uh, Jersey Boys. He plays. My boss and Jersey Boys. Bold of
0: sure. you to assume I saw Jersey Boys.
1: <laughs> you're not a you're not a Eastwood completionist. Cole? I'm not an Eastwood completionist. <laughs> Dan I, Moore is quaking right now. I did not he, see. He doesn't know why. He doesn't know why, but there's a pit in his stomach right now. Um... Okay, okay. Not only am I not an Eastwood completionist, I think I have seen less than
0: ten Clint movies.
1: Really? Truly. Uh, there's an actor from Starsborn. I'm gonna, I wonder if you're just gonna get this off like right off the bat.
0: Is it the Dice Man?
1: Yeah, yeah, I knew that Andrew Dice Clay plays Lady Gaga's dad in it. Yeah, he's honor,
0: he's honorary, you know, he's honorary Italian.
1: Um, we have, (laughs) I just wanted to include this two featured cast members of the show Jersey Shore are not Italian. What, yeah.
0: Those are your people, Connor. What are you They're doing? Not they They're,
1: They're not my people. They're your people. They're your people. Jenny J. Wow Farley is Spanish not J. Irish. Wow. And Nicole Snooky
0: Snooky and J. Wow well? Snooky is like the great contemporary Italian. That's blowing my mind.
1: Snooky is Chilean and was adopted by Italian Americans.
0: Okay, parents. so she's functionally Italian. All she's right. functionally you're Italian. Sh- you're scaring me here,
1: buddy. Um, I you're you wouldn't get this because I don't think you've seen this shit You haven't seen Peaky Blinders, right? No. Yeah. Uh, Adrian Brody plays a guy named Luca Chengreta. Sure. In Peaky Blinders, I'll allow it. Yeah, he's Hungarian. Czech. That's my list.
0: Okay, I have seen I have seen exactly ten Clint directoral efforts.
1: Wow, exactly ten. Exactly ten. Should I guess what they are?
0: No, that wouldn't be interesting. <laughs> I'll just tell you, uh, going from oldest to newest, and this is what's going to make Dan Moore want to kill me, going from oldest to newest, I have seen Unforgiven, Mystic River, Million Dollar Baby, Flags of Our Fathers, Letter from Iwo Jima, Changeling, J. Edgar, American Sniper, the great American film Sully, and Richard Jewell. Those are the ones I've seen.
1: I'm just just laughing because you just, like, you skipped Gran Torino. I've never seen Gran Torino. You went Changeling to J. Edgar, which is... Didn't see Gran Torino
0: or Invictus or Hereafter.
1: You skipped American Sniper and you went to Sully, right? No, I've seen American Sniper. I've seen American Sniper. Okay, you saw American Sniper. You know what the difference is? Wait, so you went J. Edgar, American Sniper, Sully, and then have you seen Richard Jewell? Richard Richard Jewell. Yeah, but you haven't seen the mule, and nope. you haven't seen Crime Macho. Nope. Mm-hmm. Connor, look me in my eyes right now. Look me
0: in my eyes. <laughs> Are either of those movies as good as Sully?
1: I've never seen Crime Macho. <laughs> <laughs> and the mule, the mule is not.
0: Because <laughs> you know what's a great movie is Sully. Do we have anything else we love to say? We're about to hit three hours on this one.
1: No. No. Can I just say right. something I've been thinking about, like the last we're recording this, like three days after we recorded the last one.
0: Yeah, we're uh, banking because we I'm I'm very busy yeah. for the next two weeks.
1: Um, but I'm just thinking about our Christian Bale conversation a lot, and I sure. think I there's something I wanted to say that I didn't articulate sure. during that episode, which is I don't think Christian Bale is passionate about making good cinema, and I think Colin Farrell is actually uh, yeah, I, don't I know if I, he I, always was but he definitely I, has become passionate about
0: me. I kind of got that from what you were saying yeah. last week, and I understand what you're saying.
1: So that's Ask the and Dust. And that is why we're talking about Colin Farrell and not uh, Christian yeah, Bale. Well, or, we, we
0: wouldn't talk podcast. about Christian Bale because I don't want to watch <laughs> half of those movies to be honest, Like five David L. Russell
1: films. Yeah. yeah.
0: And two Adam McKay films. Yeah. And fucking Ford versus Ferrari. Um. Oh, my God. Anyway, that's been Ask the Dust. Connor, you want to plug the Instagram? No, not yet. Please remember to uh, rate, review, subscribe, uh, tell a friend. Next week's the big one, gang. Next week's the fucking mother of them all. We'll see how it turns out. I'm. We'll see if we
1: continue doing this podcast after. Yeah, Uh, (laughs) join us in next
0: week when we get into a blowout, knockdown, dragout fight about the 2006 Michael Mann film Miami Vice. Uh, the actual cuts only in this household Are we fighting each
1: other? Yeah, because you hate my oh. advice Oh yeah, I didn't <laughs> know that was the, the stance that was handed to me
0: um, But uh Until then yeah, Fuck Christian Bale it up back like a I can feel it coming In the air tonight. Oh
1: lord I've been wa-